it's another one of these opening moments where I have the words, but it's sad to say. Uh, friend, Jimmy Flynn, who did so much for championing. Is that a word? Championing or championing? Being the champion would be the better word of his hardcore scene, his local scene, that he will be remembered always for that. And having known him over 20 years and knowing how big his heart was and how much information he had and how much he loved every aspect of being from the Boston hardcore punk scene and hearing all the great stories that just come out in the last couple of days of just how deep his knowledge of just being a Bostonian is, is incredible. Jimmy Finn passes and leaves a legacy that any person should be proud of to be loved by their home community and home hardcore scene for the love and time and effort he put into that scene. So in a couple bands, most notable for being a great promoter, you know, iconically creating the term hardcore stadium, so to speak. So many cool stuff about him. And in a world where, you know, popularity, new kids on the block, this kind of thing happens a lot. It's great to see from some of the old school bands to the new bands to the seminal, large, well-known, very famous Boston hardcore bands giving their love and appreciation for somebody who truly just loved Boston hardcore, hardcore in general. And that's the best you could hope for, I guess, when you're being remembered is by your peers, by your heroes, by the people that loved you for what you did for them and loved you for the person that you are and the heart that you had in you. So rest in peace, Jimmy Flynn. Back to back with this. Rest in peace to Michael Gibbons from Leeway. Um, super important part of the New York hardcore world and hardcore in general. You know, um, it needs to be said that there is a big gap where I don't know who actually comes in and tries to fill this if there isn't a leeway putting out them early records and taking the thrash hardcore crossover to new fucking heights. And I mean, I've had Eddie on the show multiple times and obviously everybody who has any sense of cognizance of the importance of leeway and the records will understand Michael's impact not only in the band and the New York hardcore scene, but overall to the entire scene today. The legacy is still there. And this is what's going to happen. You're going to see, unfortunately, more of the truly old school passing away. And it's sad to see people from my generation and within a couple of years of me passing as well. So while these people are here, while these bands exist, while these people are living, be it of your age, 
you're a young kid, if they're in their 40s and 50s or if they're your age, man, respect them because not everybody's going to be here for the whole time. And everybody's impact is felt one way or the other. And it is that serendipitous thing that goes back to what I said last week from It's a Wonderful Life. If you're not there to do the things that you're going to do, a lot of other things don't happen. And that's what makes every single person involved in this whole thing important for the small or large role, for the influence, for just being there. It, it all counts. And so just don't let anybody... Don't let anybody fool you that your presence alone isn't impactful. Because I know plenty of people who their their presence alone means the world. They've done so much just by being there. So with that said, rest in peace to both these guys. And my love to Boston Hardcore and to New York Hardcore seems as obvious and sad. Great way to go into the last episode of the year, don't you think? Um, I'll keep it quick. I uh, was really excited about the idea of pulling something fun off. Get a bunch of friends, get on a podcast together, talk some shit, talk FYA, talk a little bit about what we saw in the last year, a little bit about how we feel about the future of hardcore. Um, last year, as we are on the beginning of the end, this last year was a lot of work, some play, and a lot of great fucking shows, and a little chaotic, and sometimes this podcast was haphazard because the schedule was thrown off by things like work, but 2024 is going to change a lot, and the schedule is going to get better, things are going to get better, and... I just appreciate everybody supporting the show, everybody who's come on the show, everybody who listens to the show, new listeners, old listeners, and it means a lot. I like doing this. I try to, beginning, play off how much I enjoy it, but I truly do. This episode's a fun one. Sometimes serious, sometimes joking around, but a great way to end a great year for hardcore and for my group of friends and for Philadelphia Hardcore and everybody. This one was fun. And I hope you enjoy it. See you all at FYA. Some shows down the line. And just remember, you know, for you young kids, check out some of these older bands. Learn some of the names of these people and why these bands were important. Even if you don't know the band, just check them out. There's a reason why people love Leeway. And its impact may not be understood because if you're 20, you don't understand how close to the very beginning of this crossover stuff the hardcore bands were, and especially in the 80s. And so it's important for you to grasp that so you have a better idea of like, holy shit, okay, you know, like, there's a real thing here, you know? There's a real thing. And the hardcore people like the Michael Gibbons and the Eddie Leeways and the Paris Mayhews impacted not only hardcore punk, but metal at large and music in general for decades to come, which is why you young kids are loving this shit now. It's because people put the metal in it early on. That's all I'll say about it. And we're just going to jump right into a funny episode. Laugh with us. Disagree with us. It doesn't fucking matter. Next year, lots more friends, lots more podcasts, and 
We're gonna have, I have a lot of free time coming up, so I'm cutting some small episodes and putting them to the side. And I don't know, we got a day or two left. Maybe we'll get another rule of three out. Who knows? Um, make sure you check out the Broad Street Breakdown, their last episode, 117. It dropped a big hint about what's coming up for the next year, and if you're a Broad Street Breakdown head, you'll love the news. So take care. So to end the year of This Is Hardcore uh, podcasts, this is a uh, what we call it a multicast, a little bit of group of uh, good fellas. I'll start from my, uh, we'll go from my right, which would be Bob Wilson, followed by Greg Falchetto, Eric Walk, and finally Kevin Hare. So we're going to talk about 2023 and 2024, and you know a little bit extra shit tonight. Or you guys can say nothing. It's cool too. <laughs> I can say nothing. It's fine. I'll just What's handle, up? I'll just handle the whole thing myself. You guys just watch. <laughs> What's up, Joe? Thanks for having me. Bob, you're in yeah, the thanks you're for having in, me back. Yeah. Hair to stay, as they say, right? That's what they say. That's what they tell me. I don't know what that is, but so uh to start this off, we are we are de- we are down to uh, the wire here for FYA twenty twenty four. Yeah, start uh, this time next week. We'll be in Tampa, so yeah, better weather. You know, getting ready for them for that car mines. Fuck, I forgot about car mines. Are you gonna pencil in some time for it? Or are you gonna be too busy down there? Yeah, always always time for car mines. Come on now. Yeah, last time I went to Carmine's, I got hit with the fucking sneaky move. Hey, we're going to go eat at Carmine's, and it was a bunch of people we didn't know. And it's like, you guys should know that by now. You can't eat with people you don't know. It's fucking terrible. I forgot about that. I would rather <laughs> I would rather sat on the curb and eat outside. <laughs> I'm so fucking bummed. It was a strange squad. Eric, you ever been to Carmine's? Uh, no, not, not that one in Tampa. You went to the AC one. I think maybe. I don't know. I can't remember. Definitely not the Tampa one. Tampa one's great. How about you, Greg? I never even heard of it. What kind of food is it? Italian. But they've okay. got the one in my, the one down there has like Cubano uh, sandwiches and shit too. So they have some of that cuisine pushed into it. Got it. Yeah. Cause I feel like two years ago, I think I wasn't able to go last year, but two years ago and, and then the year before that, we did, uh, we did the Cheesecake Factory on the Friday night, which is always a wonderful delicacy. Love the Cheesecake Factory. So I'm looking forward to that this year. Did you give him the invite, Bob? Is he allowed back? Because he hasn't been around a little bit. Yeah, I told him, uh, I don't know. Last year, he kind of had a weird excuse for not coming because he had like a child born or something. So but, dumb. Uh, he's, he's so lazy. He's <laughs> How many whole my own shows are happening during FYA? We got 15. I got Josh White booking us up and down the Tampa, Tampa state line. It's <laughs> fucking crazy. Hold my own just in different dimensions at the same time playing shows. I don't even know if hold my own would be a band without Bob Wilson though. Cause two years ago, the demo got recorded in 2020, but I never did the vocals until late 2021. And that was because Bob was like, do the vocals and put the demo out and play one of the after shows. So without that, I mean, like for people that are upset about it, 
Robert Wilson is the guy you got to go talk to. I'll tell you, Bob Wilson trip said you're coming to the fucking after show and you're watching his band. That's not even a lie. It's a factual thing. <laughs> it was like 4.30 in the morning and you dudes were on. <laughs> that wasn't your first show, was it, Greg? Or was it your first show? It was our second show, but we booked Chicago like two days before just because we were doing Tampa. And we we're like, all right, let's do like a cool free thing in Chicago. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Did you guys play the Gary place? You guys actually played in Chicago. We played in Chicago. We, I, we haven't played Gary yet. I'm hoping don't, to do it at some point. Though. Don't. <laughs> Just basically on shit and all his friends doing whippets outside. <laughs> no, I'm not even making that up. I wish I was like clever. <laughs> Eric doesn't know what a whippet is, so he didn't laugh. I've been making jokes about bringing whippets back lately, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Bob, what do we got? What do we got in store? What are, like in your head, rolling into to this FYA? I mean, obviously the last couple of years you've sold out from day one. It's been fucking great. But uh, in your head, where do you see this weekend going? Um, I know it's easy to say like, oh, it's going to be great, but like I know also there's got to be some tension there. How do you feel about this weekend rolling in? I mean, it's. You know, you've done this is hardcore since 2006. You know, every single year is just some kind of crazy shit, no matter what. So it's just, you know, every year there there's something that's unexpected that happens or some like weird shit going on or whatever. So just trying to uh, get to Sunday night and then I'll be uh, relaxed and happy. But yeah, it should be. I mean, we don't really have any issues there like any year or whatever, like. You know, part of, again, like people hate having the lights on and all that stuff, but I feel like that kind of deters people from being complete scumbags during bands. So I think that's like a big help. So that'll be happening again this year. So I think that's, uh, like I said, a good deterrent from any nonsense going on. I have to point out that that Mabel on Killing Time set, the lights were turned off, and I thought I was like at a wedding. <laughs> like I really like that year. I don't fuck with it, yeah. Kev, how do you feel about the lights? Oh, I, every year we talk about it and I'm completely in favor of the lights um, being on because it feels like a show. You can see everything that's going on. Uh, it's more, it's kind of funny when you like lean back, it like look back and it, you see what the scale is with the lights on, um, off or sorry, with the lights on. So I'm completely in favor about it every year. At this point, it's like, should we do it next year? And we both Bob and I are just like, no, it's perfect. Who cares if people complain? Honestly, people complaining about it, like, I guess if you're in a band and play a lot of shows, I guess I understand it, but it still is, I don't really. But, like, if you, every year when I see people talking about it and complaining about it, it's the most, like, pro-core lame thing possible. Because when I started going to shows, the local shows were at a gym in which you couldn't, there's only, like, two settings of the lights. You turn off half the lights or you keep them all on. So, like... It doesn't matter if the lights are on. I don't understand why people complain about something so silly like the lights being on. The only reason is because they feel comfortable they can get away with stuff without them off, uh, if they were off. Yeah, I agree with all that. Eric? Yeah, I, I, I like the lights on. I don't know. That just like – like that venue is just the perfect – I don't know, just – like big room just for the lights on at a show. I mean, you can't, 
you can't stand in one area in that room and not see everything that's going on with the lights on. I feel like if you turn the lights off, like you might, I don't know, just not get as good of a view. Plus, if you see the videos or pictures from it, you know exactly what show it is. You know what the fest is. Like everything else all looks the same, but you see that and you know that's FYA. Just like the one Posse numbers that was in the dome, you see pictures from that. The lights are all on and you know exactly what it's from. It's from Posse numbers in the dome. So it's the same with FYA. You see very, the lights on, like, you, you see where it is, and that's it. FYA. Yeah, exactly. I, I was scrolling through the, the gram on that For You page, and I didn't realize at first where the fuck the show was from because it was like from someone's camera. And it had to be either like the drain set or like the LOA set. And I was like, holy fuck, look how clear. Like it, like it was clear as shit. You could see the back bar. I thought it was great. Also on the Procore tip, you know there's bands that brought the light guy and is pissed off he can't do shit that day. <laughs> I mean, I guarantee you that's like literally a thing. So, dude, like literally, like what am I supposed to do with the fucking light guy? We pay him every day. <laughs> Meanwhile, the dude's like the bus driver and the merch guy and the, you know, he does like 17 other jobs too. Yeah, you can go to Taco Bus and have the day off. It's fine, dude. That's what's up. Remember that time uh, you guys were down the street and you saw us at Taco Bus. That's how fucked up going out in Tampa during FYA is. You could be out somewhere and so your your people will see you even if you don't tell them you're out. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, ah, should we should we say something? I think he's like kind of like trying to have like a date or something like that. I was like, oh, we'll just we'll keep <laughs> moving up the, the fucking right aid, whatever the fuck we we're trying to go to. So, also, uh, that's- first watch is no longer a Tampa thing. What the fuck is first watch? The fucking breakfast fight. You didn't go. You didn't go to breakfast with us that day. We met you in the hotel after. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, is that where that was where we went, right? Bro, we just hit one off of uh, the main line, like uh, in ba- Balakimo. This shit was fucking popping. I never even heard about that. Oh, you were talking about some like Tampa neighborhood watch thing. You know, <laughs> yeah, that goes on there. at night. <laughs> it's called first watch. It's where uh, scrum trelescent, uh breakfast would happen, but. For you, you'd be more pissed off about the lack of premium meats. So <laughs> we didn't invite you. Don't. But I mean, the best thing about FYA in general is that everybody takes over Tampa. You're squatted up wherever you go. You see people all over the place. Like the whole, the whole show is over the whole city. The city is just small enough where it's like everything is 10 minutes apart. So wherever you go, it's just like. You take over the whole thing. You go to this place. You see these people. You go somewhere else. You see somebody else. By the time you get to the show, it's like you've already been hanging out for two days. The first year when I broke my hand, I went to the Walmart like late at night after the first FYA day that I was there. And I'm in this fucking Walmart and there's a robot. And I was already freaked out by the robot. I turn around. Aaron Hurd and Jesus Peace was in the same Walmart. And they're like, yo. And I'm like, yo, what's up with the fucking robot? <laughs> That's the kind of shit that happens. You're just out there trying to get some shit at one in the morning. And it's either Jesus Peace or fucking Walmart, Walmart robots. Is that the uh, the snitch robot? The Marty robot? Yeah, the straight up Marty robot. <laughs> out yeah. there. Finding out that motherfucker is called Marty destroyed me. <laughs> the Marty Williams robot. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking great. Eric, let's start yeah. with you. What is your uh? What are the, I know you like to like stretch your hamstrings and get your glutes <laughs> all ready for the fest. What are the what are the what are the sets you're gonna go all out on? All out walking. What are the sets you're gonna go all out on? Uh, 
like bands that, you know, I don't get the chance to see all the time. I would say like no warning and that band demonstration of power from Scotland. Those are probably the two that I'm looking forward to. I mean, of course I'm looking forward to like the usual suspects, you know, the, just all the top current bands and all my friends bands playing like the fest, but I would say those two kind of stand out for me. Dev. Um, so one band that I see all the time, Scarab, I think at a big fest, the timing is perfect where their set is going to be unbelievable. So I think it's that's going to be one of the highlights, even though like seeing most of the shows, but this has potential to be by far the craziest one. And then a, a band that I don't see very often because they barely played is Hard Stripes, where I only saw them, I think, twice when they were actually a band. I, when they first came out, I missed them a little bit, and then we went to United Blood, and they were unbelievable there. And now I've um, I heard that they were great at Triple B, and I think that um, you know when when the FYA was announced, Hard Stripes was one of the bands that like tons of people that I didn't even know knew about them or like cared. Everybody was like Hard Stripes, I can't wait for this. This is the band to see. So I think those are the two things that I'm really excited for, and I think that that Hard Stripes set is going to be awesome. Balchetto. I think everybody gets hurt. I haven't That's seen the them one. in yeah, I haven't seen them in a couple of years, and it's always an interesting time watching them perform. Also, one of my favorites. All time in that group. It's <sighs> a crazy one. Yeah, I, I don't know. I wouldn't. I don't know about all time, but I meant out of the out of their crop of bands, you put them at the all time. I think, I don't know, I probably like Billy Club more, but I love Everybody Gets Hurt, and I haven't seen him in a while, so I feel like that's the one I'm, like, hyper-focused on in my brain. I really want to see them. I'm really annoyed that the first two songs is going to be young kids just going off the thin air. Like, nothing will be playing. The <laughs> kids are going to be going crazy. And that's, like, happens at every fest now, so it's, like, not, like, a diss to anybody, but it's just, like, the excitement. They just, like, air mosh all the, all the energy out. You know, um, the only thing I give a fuck about truly at FYA is trying to keep JP from falling into the crowd and getting crushed by everybody. <laughs> so I will, I might get one of them dog leashes and just put it around his leg so it's easier. Because, <laughs> like, two or three times in Detroit, I thought, oh shit, I'm gonna lose this dude. He's gonna get fucking fall off the stage. Swallowed up. <laughs> now, I, I really, I really love Mind Force at FYA. Their vibes are just so fucking powerful. It's gonna be so nuts. Younger bands, um, I listen to demonstrate my stuff. Oh, what is that? Demonstration of power. Everyone put them on like the top list. Like 10 people I saw today post, and I was like, I checked it out. I really love that moment of truth band from the time we played in South Florida with them. I'm like, dude, they could probably whoop some ass at a full ass FYA. They did really crazy at that um the hardcore weekend at the church. They had that whole wall of mosh blocking the door. I like that. It was the old school hall vibes for a moment of truth in Philadelphia. Dude, no one could get in the room. It was like <laughs> no one mosh, could get in the room. Like a mosh wall. He couldn't get through. The floor was completely empty, but not because people weren't doing anything, because just the whole the entire room, the side, everybody was just moshing. Yeah, I remember there was kids like in like the little hallway, like towards the room that are like too scared to get in. So I was like, get your ass in there. And I was just like fucking shove them from behind and make them go mosh and shit like that because they're literally too scared. 
Yeah, also think I, I realized that Mag's actually on the same day, and that could be just like a uh, like a one two punch if anywhere if if, if that uh, Mind Force or Magnitude and Koyo if them three are all together in the same lineup, that's going to be like the fucking rock block. That I don't even want to. I wouldn't. I don't care who's playing after those three bands. That's going to be fucking hard. Those are like the three bands that just fucking rock out any of these fests these days. It's gonna that's gonna be the the boom boom boom. Obviously, Bob, the headliners are fucking that's like the icing on the cake. Anyone who's dumb enough to leave stupid. Uh I would like to see Austin Powers, uh Austin <laughs> Austin Sparkman's 88th <laughs> fucking band. Austin's in every band in the history of hardcore, but I did check out Haywire. We put it on the show. I'm excited to see him in another band. Um, now I want him to roll up in the Austin Power car. He should. I'm surprised he doesn't fucking have one. <laughs> yeah, he uh yeah, I think going back, what was uh Threshold, I think was the first band of his that I put on the yeah, fest. Threshold. And I could I would literally watch him do like karaoke on a Tuesday night somewhere. I would I would you know what I mean? I fucking he just they don't make frontmen like that anymore. Not at all. He's just cool as shit on stage. I the new band is fucking awesome. It's gonna be their second show. And uh, I don't even remember when. Probably at last FYA, he's like, yo, I got a new band. I was like, oh, well, we're playing next year. And then, so yeah, the record just came out. The record's awesome. It's going to be the first time when a lot of people get to see him. So I think it's just going to be 15 minutes of fucking chaos. So I'm pretty fucking psyched for that. Trivia. Mike from Sla- uh, Mike from Freight Train, a.k.a. Slave. His, his first band was Threshold. And oh, really? there was a riot during their set at the Frankfurt Y. <laughs> So I'm glad that the name, the name. When I saw the name, and I'm like, oh yeah, someone finally picked that up and used it. It's probably about 48 thresholds that no one ever knows about I'm that sure. has like cassette demos. Um, didn't Threshold just become Barry Dreams? Like, didn't they just change their name? Yeah, basically, I think maybe one member is different than they did Barry Dreams, and then yeah, now he's got this going. Yeah, and man. Barry Dreams last year was insane. So yeah, this year we'll follow it up. Yeah, I, I really. I, th- I think the biggest thing about FYA is always going to encompass it, regardless of where the venue was, what year it was, is that you are the king of pulling out whatever the newer bands are, giving them the best platform. The young kids come out hard for them. And then after the fact, the, some of these bands grow to be like the premier bands of the entire scene. And it's something that I said, and I've said it a million times, but if you haven't heard it, Bob is the fucking tastemaker. FYA is the start of our fucking year. And it's actually crazy that you have no warning playing that show. Is that going to be at the same place, the brass mug out in the middle of the fucking alligator country? Oh, yeah. Holy shit. That'll be fucking cool. Yeah, three band after shows. No more. I'm not trying to be there to fucking. I, I don't understand. I don't know what the hell was sick in the first whatever amount of years, but I was, I, after last year, I was like, you know what, dude? Cause it doesn't matter what bands they're playing. Like it's just, everybody's fucking tired. So I was like, if we do three bands, it's over by like 12, 1230 people can like actually still have some kind of energy and the shows can be good. So I actually like the Sunday split. Cause big boy doesn't really sound exactly like out of pocket and you get to hook up the disconnect. That's a cool lot. Look, I think the no bad kids are going to be fucking awesome. I hope they don't do something dumb and break up. Cause they're actually for a younger metalcore band. I fucking actually like them. That's what I think. With them specifically, it's like people are like, I don't really know what's up with this band, whatever. And then like, uh, they'll like see them live. And I remember like when they played like the barbecue, people like, dude, what the fuck? That was crazy. So I, I, uh, yeah, I'm psyched that they were down to come down and and just do the after show because 
I think, yeah, I think the band's awesome. So I'm glad they're coming down. Walk. You all right there? there? I'm good. No thoughts? On what? The after show or or no matter? On life, on anything. I have a lot of thoughts in life, but I'm not sharing them. (laughs) The after show, I agree. The the one year that, like, I think it was the, the one year Hold My Own played, I, like, felt like I was just about to fall asleep on stage standing up, like, watching... I can't even remember who played like after Fleshwater, I think. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Like Fleshwater or Living Weapon. Maybe it was them. Living yeah. Weapon. Yeah. Living Living Weapon. And then I, I can't remember if it was Grid or Tsunami that played like the headlining spot of that after show, but it, it was literally like two in the fucking morning. I was so my foot tired. fell asleep, so I went into the car and went home. I'm not even making that up. <laughs> <laughs> Jess was in the car sleeping, and I was like, I was standing there, and my foot fell asleep. I'm like, I'm going to fucking bed. Yeah. yeah, that was when you saw me just sitting on the ground. You said, "Let's go," and I said, Let's "Dude, you go. were Kev hair was Kev <laughs> Kev hair was completely pitted out, like he had nothing <laughs> left in him." <laughs> I, I will say though, story with the after shows is that last year, the last hour or so of the fest into the after show kind of sums up, I think, the entire FYA experience and why I like why like it's basically just, you know, a normal Philadelphia show, just kind of all the good and the bad of everything is just kind of in FYA, where it ends with Cold World last year with an unbelievable set. And then after that it we found out last minute that we had to take down the stage, which we didn't know we were going to have to do. So we took down the stage and uh, we didn't necessarily do it the smartest way. We didn't know what we were doing, but we figured it out. You were on the, on your back, kicking up the different uh, planks from the stage and we all got it done. Then uh, we were exhausted. Bob and I went to, I think McDonald's. We get there. Bob lost his wallet because he was so tired. He left it at Wawa that day, and we can't, we can't figure out for sure. But I'm pretty sure that this has happened another year or two. I don't think this was the first time that this exact thing happened. So then we get to the after show. We are Bob and I are walking up, and we are nobody has been more tired than us. We look like we are wounded and injured. And we walk up, we walk in the back, we walk on stage. That band Armor is playing. It was Armor, right, or was it Protocol? I got to mix up. Protocol. Yeah, it was Protocol playing. Sorry. And they, uh, we're sitting there, and they cover floor punch, and Bob sprints to the stage, tackles the singer, and starts singing along. And that just that whole, <laughs> we were just completely dead. But then just that whole sequence from breaking down the stage to going to the show to still floor punch song is on. That just kind of sums it all up for me. So while it was long and punishing, that was what kind of hardcore and FYA is all about. That hour or whatever, and losing your wallet, but you got it back. Falchetto. Tell me, what's the question? What am I excited for? Just trying to get you to chime in, brother. What's the question? I mean, I think that's a good uh, a good explanation of what it is, right? Like, you know, people see it sells out in an instant, and they're like, oh, you know, like, it's, it's an instant sellout. Everything is so easy. But actually, it's a living hell, and Bob lives the nightmare for an entire weekend. And then building up to it, that's an entire another portion of just stress and headaches of stupid bands asking for stupid shit last minute, needing dumb M&Ms on their rider or needing Bob to wipe their ass with each one of his fingers or whatever the fuck ends up being asked about. 
in the process of this. And you might look at the lineup and be like, oh, like, yeah, no, they're hardcore bands. Like, yeah, they're all majority are fucking full of shit. So, but when you bring up bands like Magnitude, Magnitude is such a fresh breath of air, right? Because they're one of the bands that get asked to do crazy things or get asked to do these different labels or get asked to be these different type of bands on these mixed bills and just stupid corny shit. And they stick to what the fuck about and that's straight edge. And honestly, you saying magnitude, that's, that's another band I'm really excited for because I have so much fucking respect for them as individuals and as a band that's fucking sick. So FYA DIY hardcore magnitude, fucking straight edge, hardcore respect. And whenever they play this uh, FYA, it's always unbelievable. Like every year, somehow surpasses the other one, the one before. It's crazy. You think that they peaked, yeah. and then next year it's be- it's better. So yep. and they have a new record it's- out. Yeah, I'm psyched to see because you know they're like last year. Like I was like, yo, like if you want to take the year off to the new record, like that's fine. I get it. Like, but like obviously, I want you guys to play every fucking year. Like I feel like they go hand in hand. Like them and like. Like them kids and like Lennon and his squad and like shit like that, like I feel like are so like integral to like everything I've done since like the first, you know, time we did it or whatever. So they're like, oh, now I want to play. And the set was obviously unbelievable. So now coming back with new shit um, for the first time, like when that record came out, like 2019 or something like that before. So like, yeah, I'm pretty, uh, pretty psyched to see them uh, with the new shit and all that stuff at the, uh, at the fest. But it's, it's like, the amount of things they've done on the quote unquote bigger level, right? They've done some pretty big tours. So usually at the part they are right now in their what's called a career, even though it's not a career, but let's say it's a career. This is when the people in the band start getting real goofy and they have these ideas of just stardom and they're going to do their meet and greet by their merch tent or whatever the fuck stupid shit they're trying to get on, you know, some dorky shit, but magnitude I feel like is one of the few that stayed very fucking sincere and true to what they were doing and didn't change so drastically because they got on whatever the fuck big knock loose tour, whatever stupid shit. They, they stayed to exactly what they were and they just kept walking the path that they were on. And when labels came, they were like, yeah, we're not going to do it because we want to do what we're doing. We don't want you to tell us or dictate to us, you know, whatever it is. And maybe the labels weren't even going to do that, but honestly, fuck them. It's respect. Yeah, they uh they they're actually about what they say they're about, which is awesome. Walk. Jump in here, brother. Throw you a line, throw you a line. I think like I don't know. Like Magnitude's like one of the bands that plays like every single fest around the country. And it's like I think Bob said this earlier and mentioned it, you know, you you expect them to peak at some point but they never seem to do like every single set follows up the last one nicely. Every single part, you know, of, of their sets, like have this crazy pile up no matter when they play, no matter where they play, like in the lineup, it just, I don't know. They, they always like exceed expectations. I think. I couldn't agree more. They're just a cool band. When they, uh, when I got, when I get hit to them basically being like, yeah, we kind of don't want to be a pro core band. It just like was one of the coolest things because it seems like that's the road less ta- uh, less traveled, and so many bands would sell their fucking left foot to just be on the easy street with the managers and the pro- and all the stuff that comes along with it. And that band was like, "Hey, we kind of don't want to do that to this band," and and it's really obviously completely part of the whole straight edge thing to kind of like well, make your own path. 
and walk against the fucking grain of things, and they really did it. And it's sincere. Like, there's a lot of insincerity in hardcore out of some of its biggest, most popular bands. And I know you guys all feel that way. So knowing that this band isn't on a record touring cycle and doesn't have a manager going, well, we're going to try our best to get you guys at Coachella. <laughs> like they're just a straight up hardcore band. Yep. You know, it's fucking great. Um, Moving on to one of my favorite topics while you guys are all here. Do you guys know that uh hardcore actually expanded its boundaries? Yeah, it was, it was really uh, a, a fresh take on a, a 43 year old genre. It was really nice. It was fucking great. It was like one day they just added a whole nother room for hardcore in the in the galaxy. Uh, for those who haven't read it, it's just the most embarrassing piece of shit in the recent. Let me jump on and talk about hardcore from Pitchfork. And I, I imagine that some of these folks like legitimately are paid for this, but it's just a typical personal writing style that tries to get people to check out and be like, oh man, this guy's really... Really, either he's trolling, which I think he may do some of that, but also, actually, it's not even a guy. I, I actually, the name, it's a, a, a person. I was reading that the whole thing up top here, but the article, Hardcore Expanded Its Boundaries and the scene embraced it. It's like, Pitchfork has never really been a part of hardcore, though. Obviously, Paint It Black and all them bands get exalted in this shit all the time. But then, like, the next fucking X amount of uh, paragraphs I don't even talk about a real hardcore band. I mean, Bob, your homeboys in military gunner in here, but uh, none of like bringing up MS paint as an example. So fucking retarded to me. <laughs> it's just like fucking, this is where we're at, but that's what happens in the today. It's almost like clickbait art or um, clickbait going on. So people check out these articles. So uh, Eric, what do you think? Do you think hardcore is expanding its boundaries, brother? I don't know. I mean, I don't like, I don't care if it is. I know what hardcore like means to me. Like it's been the same since I was young, like and started going to shows. I just, I don't, I don't know. I, I guess I like, I am the opposite of the audience that that article was written for. And I feel like the four of you are exactly the same way, even though you may read it. I just like, I could care less what was written in that article. I'll read the headline and be like, this is just stupid, and I want right, to read me, any. All right, let me let me let me do trivia. Name three records that they used as an example of the of the genre expanding. Well, you, you already said it. you already gave me clues of two of them with Military Gun and MS Paint, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't Come know. On, this shit's so easy. Is is the Scal record on there? Actually, I have to double check. <laughs> only because, only because the, the 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 obvious ones to me are like the super obvious. That's what like the thing with these articles is like they don't even know the bands they're referencing. They just see the names all the time, and it's like it's no diss to any of the bands that got mentioned because it's like it's not like they're fucking like hey put us in this article. But it's just so like I don't understand what the hell they're fucking talking about. Like you're just repeating the same three bands that get mentioned all the fucking time with no basis on it, and like. Because it's some dipshit that has nothing to do with hardcore that just, yeah, like it's just fucking ridiculous. My favorite records this year were all the ones that were just like stripped back, no BS, like the Stigmatism record, the Scarab record, the CMI record, Rackage record, like all that stuff is just like fast, cool hardcore, punk, like there's no gimmicks, there's no 
keyboards. There's nothing. There's no slow songs. It's just hardcore or punk or whatever. That's what I want. I don't need a band to expand. If I want bands to expand, I'll listen, I wouldn't be listening to hardcore. I, I just want, like, hardcore for me is all about the feeling and the connection and stuff. And I don't need any of this stuff to, like, do more. Like, some of the bands in the article, I'm sure, I like are cool. But, um, like, it's not – I don't care about hardcore expanding. I just want it to exist as it is and, like, be cool and just – have hard bands or fast bands or heavy bands, whatever. But like, I don't, I just don't need any extra fluff. I just need tried and true hardcore. I kind of have to relate heavily to the 185 miles South and then into uh no echo, probably the stuff that both them, like you said, wreckage, uh, because I, because I put that world. I hate John on here. I checked that out. I really like that. And I'm with you. Like I listened to a lot of the heavier stuff that came out. But I, I I am pulling myself really heavily into the lesser known, faster, truly like real hardcore shit. Like Bob, how quick did I call you when I checked out that contempt thing? I'm like, wait, is this yeah. coming back? Is this fucking yeah. coming back? Are we are we back to like a sensible real hardcore here? Because I, I mean, yeah. I like the Balmaras. They're pretty cool. I'll, I'll give mad love to Nomad. Um, I would not want to be a band that would play four bands after Scarab at this point. You know, like they just whip ass all around here. They're going to whip ass all around everywhere. But I like to know in a world of bullshit where everyone is writing these flowerful, lovely, uh, probably getting paid for articles through the um, promotion of these labels, that there's people just listening and doing real hardcore. Like Wreckage was fucking great. I don't care if they don't get the giant responses that all these other popular bands do. They're a pure and simple fucking hardcore band, the same way Combust is. I love that shit, and I love that there's bands uh, actually following that path. You know? Yeah, I was talking to somebody about it the other day, and they were like, like, dude, like, how are younger kids not just like, dude, fuck all this shit, we're going the complete opposite direction? And I was like, dude, yeah, if I was 21 years old, I'd be going on a fucking rampage. But like... Yeah, like I just, I my hope is that kids like see the constant like articles getting shoved down their throats and telling you what hardcore is and this and the other, and just say fuck you and just keep on doing. You know what I mean? Like the exact opposite of like, you know, anything that would ever be written about in a fucking in a pitchfork or something like that. Greg, you're the you're the uh, management consultant, music biz <laughs> dude. What do you uh, have to say about all this? I, don't, I mean, I don't even see these articles just because it's all just bullshit. And I just pay attention to what I pay attention to. And that's, you know, the newer the newer bands, the newer demos. A lot of the time I hear the stuff from my friend Bob Wilson over here who somehow has his uh, finger on the pulse. The second a demo comes out, he's posting it on his Instagram talking about it. Um, and then seeing friends do new bands, right? Like Jimmy and Mike are doing Bad Beat from Detroit. That shit's fucking awesome. New band, just put a demo out on quad records and it's thick right so that's the stuff that makes me happy and excited to just see this you know people new kids or or older kids that are still involved still straight edge still vegan still a part of the belief they said they had 20 years ago 15 years ago and or even one year ago and just staying true to whatever that is that's to me that's that's hardcore right you stay you stay loyal to what it is and you stay loyal to those around you and you don't try and make it a career i didn't try to make any of this my career i don't i don't try and 
involve hardcore in my career, I actually go the opposite direction and fucking run away from it. I want to do what I do and do what I learned through hardcore and through touring on shitty broken vans and shitty mattresses, piss mattresses, whatever the fuck, cat piss dungeons, all these terrible things that I lived through, you know, no offense, Kev Hare, but, you know, and then you, you use those things you learned and you put them into, you know, what I do, which is, you know, working in, in the TikTok world and working in YouTube and, and enjoying hardcore for what it is. Walk. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like agree a lot with what Greg said. Like I, I mean, no, no, like disrespect to anybody that, you know, like whatever, you know, like makes You're money shook. off this You're shit shook right now saying that. <laughs> no, the fuck I'm not. But anyways, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I mean, like, you know, obviously I'm not like in a promoter role, so I'm not like, or like, you know, in, in a very successful band that's like capitalizing off this and no disrespect to anybody that does, but like. Hardcore is like an outlet to me. Like I have like my fucking day job. And then afterwards, like that's when I like to talk, think, go to shows, you know, just base my life, I guess, or at least a big chunk of it, like around hardcore. So to me, like these articles that, you know, try and say that like, oh, hardcore is like branching out and all these fucking bands are going to be like, you know, the next big thing and like the music thing, like, to me, I just don't understand like how if you're a young kid and if you go to like some big show and then you just start deciding that you're going to go to everything, 90% of those shows, you're going to be like, oh, this is exactly what that article was talking about. Like, that's just, I feel like the normal hardcore show is like the exact opposite of what something like that article would be talking about. So I just, I don't know. I have like no frame of reference to stuff like that. Like hardcore to me is exactly what it was fucking 20 years ago or 10 years ago it's just like an outlet for me and that's what i know it as so i i, I don't know i'm with greg like i don't pay attention to that kind of stuff i pay attention to it because people tell me about it but i don't like do a deep dive into it so you guys are all saying it's my fault for directing you to uh to all these articles and things being said. I, didn't, I didn't say that but i will say it publicly now yes <laughs> <laughs> damn bob just woke up and is already hating so bob woke up and he just gets pissed off and he just surfs twitter for something to be angry about <laughs> i don't see uh, i'm with i'm with bob man it pops up so easily and i yeah. know what the deal is it's people who aren't from our scene and there's a check me if i'm wrong on this greg there's record okay. labels and there's management paying a lot of pr and doing a lot of the groundwork to get coverage in these sites and all this stuff. And so these people who they want to make a career writing about music and whatever else, they jump on the, they jump on the hottest horse they think running and they create these ideas. Like the scene expanded, the, the, the it hardcore expanded its boundaries and the scene embraced it. It's like, no, that's not what happened, but thank you for trying to create a narrative. And I think, they don't even care if they're wrong because they know people will click and listen to it and or check it out. You see it on Twitter, and like I posted a couple times where I've looked at where the writer is like what that person's about, and they don't really know too much about it. But they're trying to create a narrative that supports the product. And it's like a fake, it's almost like a, a fake sales pitch, just to be honest. 
Well, it's also like platforms like TikTok, right? They're built around the uh, the the message of, hey, even you can go viral. So that's like what it is. So you could be a guy that has a hundred followers on TikTok, and you post something, and that piece of content goes viral. So if you're hardcore guy number one, and you have a TikTok, and you're posting stuff, whatever, and then you post a mind force clip, let's say from FYA, and it goes crazy viral, then you have all these other people bleeding in, like Shaq or Snoop Dogg or whoever the fuck is reposting it. And then it's like it, the bubble's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, right? But then what happens when it gets too big? At some point it pops and then it goes back to the beginning and the shows go from whatever, 1,000, 500, 200, and then you're back to the same 50 people that were there before. And I feel like I've lived through that once going into 2010-ish. And then Joe, you probably lived through it. I don't know how old you are, but probably a couple of times at this point, getting older, you know? I feel yeah, like we long. all kind of experienced that just recently with the pandemic. Like when shows first came back, I mean, at least like around Philly, New York, the shows were fucking crazy. Like you had to buy tickets in advance to everything, you know, and then it kind of like fizzled out, like, you know, in, in some extent. Well, you know, it I, might be like at a peak again, but there was definitely like a little bit of a valley, at least for, for a moment. At a uh, Keystone last weekend i saw this younger kid who was at the show and he was really enjoying the show and like you could tell he probably hadn't been to that many hardcore shows and stuff but he starts running across the front of the pit with his phone in his hand filming everything and part of me was just kind of like this i it's not about the viral moment or filming the moment or whatever like to like doing it on purpose like look how crazy i am i'm filming this like just put the phone down and take in the show and like kind of understand what's going on. It's not like hardcore isn't this thing where you go and be like, Oh my God, this is so crazy. I have to film this so I can post it on my Instagram. Like it's all about being a part of it, understanding it, taking it in, then learning about it, whatever. But like, it was just kind of one of those things where I'm just kind of like, do we need the people with their phones out taking the selfies while they're running across? It's like, I, I want new people in the scene and I want people to, you know, embrace it, but I just don't want it to be a sideshow too. Yeah. It's not the fucking zoo, dude. Like just fucking just be there at the show. That, that's <laughs> wish the younger kid would have just smashed the phone out of the other younger kid's hand, to be honest. <laughs> I, that was exactly can't, what I was saying. Yeah. I mean, a young Bob Wilson would have kicked that phone right out of the guy's hand. Uh, beers, chicken fingers, sodas. Yeah. <laughs> I don't give a fuck, dude. Yeah, like it's, it's it's just sad. It's a hard thing too, because, like what Greg said, there's a viral moments and then they're reshared, and you know the optic is this is getting so big, but I think what Greg's saying is the bigger brand or the names in the TikTok world, they kind of look for stuff to kind of further their virility without having to make their own content. So mm. all they got to do is jump on something and share it. But then the optic is, yo, this being like when Jesus peace got mentioned in one of them things, everyone's like, this is so crazy. But it's, is it though? Like it's the internet, like anything that is accessible. Like you could buy shoes from Taiwan and they could get in your house in two fucking days. Now it's not exactly like a, a completely hidden thing here, you know? That's like there's still people who get mad when bands get put on Spotify. Like, oh, this is this is like the last of the hard to find things like gauze or gizm or whatever the fuck. 
I'm like, dude, you can find anything on earth. There's no secrets anymore. Like it's, there's no hidden bands. There's no hidden scenes. Like I just, I don't understand that mentality. When, when tragedy posts all of their stuff on, uh, Spotify and like their new record gets on Spotify immediately. It's okay. Tragedy's on Spotify. That's it. Yep. They, they are the, they are the judge and jury on that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think there's a clear difference between like wanting your music accessible in 2023, about to be 2024 versus like expanding the fucking boundaries of hardcore. And uh, now I'm pissed off because we spent 15 minutes talking about the stupid fucking article, which is what he, the, the person actually wants. Just like <laughs> fucking conversation about it. But like, dude, like if it was the Dillinger escape plan in 1998 or something like that, or like, you know, name any fucking kind of band that actually changed how things sounded, I would get it. But none of the stuff they're talking about is ever doing that. Like I just, that's, it's just, that's why it's just weird to me. I like that they reference Angel Dust. It's like, yo, motherfucker, that band's been out for about good old 10 years now. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, like we're not talking about, we're not talking about spring chickens here. <laughs> yeah. Like he's, he's constantly changing what they do and like, you know, on to the next one and like, you know, actually a creative human being. And then like, you just, just cause you heard them last week. Doesn't mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's just fucking crazy. And then I like going back to 185 miles South, they just had their end of the year the other day. Um, episode and I really liked for the best album of the year he just gave people two options he said blow your brains out record it's stigmatism record two straightforward hardcore records no BS to either of them like and there wasn't even any other option to do anything else it's like it's either going to be this hardcore record or this hardcore record and that's it so that's that perfect yeah they just they actually give a shit they don't have any like they don't have anyone to please with their opinions or anything like that. That's just like what they, they listen to it. They like it or they don't like it. And they talk about why they like it or don't like it. Like we need much more of that. I think. Well, it's, they're not trying to be tastemakers, you no. know? And at the same time is there's like a, I feel like some people are rub, running for fucking public office here when they talk about any kind of records. It's like, there was a time where you could not like the record of your friend and no one's going to go home with a sore ass, yep. you know, like, you know, I, we've all been in bands where, you know, yeah, our homies are going to come watch you, but, you know, you're not butthurt. Of, oh, you don't like the new record? You don't like what we should? It's, it's just those are bands, you know, whatever. I'm in one right now. It all works out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I no. listen, you're, you're like a time traveling dimension flipping weird band because you guys play you guys play shows. I don't understand how you guys make it happen with you living in New Jersey, but working by coastal and half of your members live in Chicago. And it's still, God bless you having the opportunity to do this, especially at the time in your career. And the fact that you are now starting to really, I, I meant to say this, you're really stepping up the show game here. I know there was a, a little bit where the venues were fucking you in Jersey, but you're really, you're really cresting into a new layer of ass whooping hardcore shows in New Jersey where you know, because I mean, I mean, you were at plenty of them. I, uh, Jersey had some really ass whipping shows, and you're the guy now pulling these things back out. So it's crazy to see you manage to do all this with the kids, the wife, the job. It's insane, man. Yeah, I mean, I pissed my wife off plenty doing it, but it's, it's Listen, all for you, the love. If you, were, if you were home the whole time, she'd still be fucking pissed off. So, you know, if you're going to piss her off, at least do something. Very right true. There. Very true. And also, shout out Salties and, and my boy Swank. For all the hard work he put in to get that spot going, it went from the 21 plus to all ages, and 
and has the small room at Salty's. Now we have the big room to do shows. I mean, he's also putting in so much work to kind of let guys like me or Dylan or whoever's doing shows that, that, that day of the week to make it happen, to make it accessible to everybody, to the younger kids. That's like, you know, Swank has done so much for Salty's to make that shit happen and make it an all ages room and make, you know, make it so we can come in to do shows like death threat all at war on January 20th at Salty's be there. Eric Walk, you got anything you want to say about Salties? I, lo- I love Salties. I-, I think that spot's awesome. First time I was there was the, I think like pretty much one year ago today uh, for the Shore style Christmas show. And it's a cool spot. Dev? Yeah. Um, that tsunami show there, especially the afternoon show, was like unbelievable. One of the craziest shows of the year. Um, every band was like, it was maybe the best Scarab set and surprise gridiron set. Tsunami is one of the biggest bands in hardcore right now. So it was one of those shows where like you could not move because so many people were there. I got there right at two and the, um, the opening band was just starting and you could not move. Like you, I couldn't barely get in the room because there were already like three or 400 people there when the show was starting. So, um, it was awesome. I saw CMI there too in August and, and that show was great too. So. Yeah, awesome venue, awesome shows, good vibe. What's the attraction? What's attraction like on the floor? What's the pit level when the you know, wet floor? Like, what are we look walking into? Surprisingly, the uh, the salt of uh, the the tsunami one wasn't that bad, and I'm pretty sure yeah. it was like Eric only fell seven times. I've, <laughs> I've been practicing on my balance, okay? So I just want to clear that up. He overworked his glutes; his legs uh, were sore. Yeah, surprisingly, like the the pit floor wasn't that bad because it was raining like most of the day that day. So, I mean, I don't know. It felt like the the main bar like area where you first walk in and then go to like the the room where the actual like stages was more fucking of a slip hazard than than the actual pit. See, got a good. That's the other thing with with salties like at Greg show coming up. It's advertised as two stages, but there's actually three stages because you know there's going to be a cover band in that first room too, oh, just yeah. just rocking it. Yeah, and also speaking of short style Christmas, that's happening on Saturday, December thirtieth. I don't know when this will air, but that's uh, Crown of Thorns and Regulate. So if you're around in the New Jersey tri-state area, you should uh, go to that show. Fair enough. Just might. So uh, I like looking at stuff on the internet. I know you guys like looking at stuff on the internet. And uh, I was kind of wondering, do you think any of these young kids actually pay attention to some of these bands that they buy all these expensive T-shirts for? You guys are the shirt kings minus Kevin. So I figured I should the four shirt kings, three shirt kings, because uh, uh, Dom's not in the room. Do these kids actually <laughs> listen to these bands that they spend all the money on? Are you talking in terms of like old bands that they're buying vintage shirts of or new bands? The, the shirt game, the, the high price shirt game that you guys are involved in, your little... Your little evil world under there. Yeah, real quick, just to jump in. Fuck you, Mike in Canada. You annoying fuck. <laughs> Trading with you, buying shit from you. You're so fucking annoying. You're a fucking prick, old bastard. Fuck you. All right, we can keep rolling. I like you, Mike. No, you're a liar. <laughs> Bob, Bob fuck, doesn't fuck with you. Dom fucking hates you too. Fuck you, annoying prick. Walk. You fuck with this Canadian Mike, or do we got beef here? I don't know. I'm I'm laughing too hard right now, so I'm putting myself on mute. 
Kev, do we gotta do we gotta go up there and fuck this fucking Canadian mic up? I can't get over the fucking border, so I can get you there. I'll drive you there. You gotta go over there. Uh, I guess I I don't know anything about it, but I guess I have to. Legs views are his own and his own his own his own. It's because the thing is, is these motherfuckers just buy these old T-shirts, but they don't support any of the current shit. So it's how the fuck am I going to take you seriously when you only buy these old T-shirts? Hey, I love a stinky old T-shirt. I have plenty of them, but I'm also buying and supporting the new shit. If you're only fucking spending $800 on a crutch T-shirt and then the fucking Magnitude Records out and you're not buying it, you're a fucking bitch. Like, come on. You're not buying any of the new shit? Fuck you. Annoying fuck. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. I I feel like there's so many people that are just... I don't know. They're like old, like just hardcore nerds with money now. And I'm probably one of them, but like, you know, I don't know. I fucking support the new shit too. I, I try and support as much as I can. You that's, have to, right? Like, what do you think? I mean, Joe? What's your take on this? That's just what being like a hardcore dude is. To I've, me. Uh, I've got hoodwinked one too many times on this whole bullshit. Cause I'll see some kid with like, size 48 jeans at over his uh fucking vans and he's wearing an old school hardcore shirt and i go like man i wonder if that kid listens to that band but then i'll leave the names of some of these recent reunions or comebacks from some of these older bands and uh you know the kids buying these expensive shirts aren't in the pit so i i think it's false advertising and i don't really recall with the exception of the dorcas molorcas sort of posy fast core crowd that was happening where they were obsessed with buying t-shirts way back but there wasn't really a lot of that there was people who like legitimately had og shirts and some people liked showing them off and then some people didn't but i I like what you guys said about like rocking the current shit you know like there's a lot of cool people that are rocking the cool vibes when i see these young kids and they're rocking some old guy shit i'm like do they know are they just trying to be cool but it really does throw off the optic on my end because i'm like should I book this fucking band again? Do people actually know? And then I have to go to Bob and he's like, I don't think so. 90% of the time, Bob's like, I don't think so. Yeah, it's it's a hard sell sometimes. I mean, it's you the do- same thing with, with the records, right? Like, I bought a lot of big records this year, but I was also buying, if I liked a record, a new record that came out, I have that too. So, like, what's the point of the collection if you only have the old stuff? You should celebrate everything. So, like, I got the negative approach seven inch and i got the stigmatism record we talked about you know it's like was get it off best haul from double decker before they closed was that your big haul uh best thing from double decker i ever got was all i wore for those who crucified test press Damn. what was the last batch of records you bought from double decker the last batch of records i bought was the last time i went there which was like a week before they closed and i just got some stuff to get it so it wasn't anything crazy i got like a Talk is Poison record, a title fight record I didn't have, and a Haymaker 7-inch. Time before that, I got a lot more stuff like Asian Orange record and Who's Could Do stuff and really? Bad Scene, War Hungry and stuff, like a bunch of stuff like that. I, I spent more money that day. But the last time, I just I had to go and pay my respects to the greatest record store of all time. Well, so, can't really say it's gone because AJ just owns it now. Yeah, AJ just owns it. Took <laughs> just, all the stuff. Just the inventory, right? He only, he didn't buy the building. He just bought all the. No, I can't bring in the building across the state. He just got all the shit. <laughs> right at, at at first when he when he made that that post about like him buying it, I thought that he was just going to open that up as a separate location for preserving. 
But you know, he's tax, opening a, as a as a tax write off. Eric would have been more lucrative to, for him to open up a second thing or to buy the inventory and bring it to Pittsburgh. He is actually opening up a second one, but it's just in the same town as the first one. You're ignoring the fact that Eric is a tax professional, and I was asking. I mean, tax he advice. would pro- he would probably like <laughs> he'd probably lease the building, right? He wouldn't buy the building, so yeah. I mean, I don't know. You can't like write that off. You could write off the inventory, I guess, but. Not really. So is this a loss for him? Is the liabilities? It's like, do, do you really want me to explain this on a fucking podcast? I, I wouldn't fucking lie to you. I I, I want your professional opinion. <laughs> I try to get your mom. He would have. Opinion, he would have nothing. to. He would have to buy the inventory, which he would put on like his books as like an asset. And then once he sells that inventory, then he recognizes the profit between what he sells it for versus what he paid for it. <laughs> Excellent. So it's not Excellent. really like a loss in the year that he actually buys it. See, this is what this is what I mean. If I can't get you to talk shit, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn some from you. <laughs> That's gotta be a first. What's that? Gotta be a first. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I actually think it's cool what AJ does, man. I don't know. Any, if you guys... any more brain busters? <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be. We're gonna be on here for a while. Don't worry, I got some more coming. Yeah, you got you. You get your turn. Uh, but like, I, I mean, when was the last time you were at his store, Bob? Was it recently? Yeah, at the uh, the Code World thing. Dude, how cool is that, man? It's fucking like when he first opened the shit. I was like, damn, it's pretty wild. Like, yeah, like when the the Secret Show in twenty twenty. Yeah. And then I was like, damn, this is pretty crazy. And then it's just gotten crazier and crazier. And now, like, he's got two locations. He's Got like the ven- the smaller venue and the bigger venue, and they're getting all the good tours because they're not scumbags. And like, it's just uh, seeing what he's done is like that's like it sounds corny, but that's like what hardcore is to me. He's like, yo, like this doesn't exist here. I want it to exist. I'm gonna like bust my ass and make it happen. And just like seeing you know the progression and everything like that is just fucking like, endless respect for that. Honestly, like it's just yeah. can't believe like what he's built there. And now it's, you know, it's turned into its own scene and other people in the hardcore scene are able to uh, work there and help it grow too. So it's like its own community and stuff and and it's cool. And then the record store there is cool. I got to set it off there last time I was there, which was a big one. So I was excited about that. And uh, it's great. I think anytime someone like an AJ comes in, very few times I see them grow the way they have. And then the double decker thing was kind of depressing, but then to see AJ being like, I saw him the night at Keystone. He's like, Yeah, we got one more truck to load up. And I was like, fuck, that's actually crazy. Like the yeah, they were taking like, semi trucks. Semi <laughs> semi trucks. Ty, Ty told me semi trucks and I corrected him. I said, You mean U Haul, right? And he goes, No, I mean semis. Semis. That's like you have to hire like there's no like AJ didn't drive the fucking truck right he had you have to no, like, I I think it's a it's a deal where you hire them and then you have a certain amount of time to unload the truck okay yeah, I was you, gonna, you you, you hire the this. you hire the truck as freight and they have to put everything on there like you're not allowed to load it okay but then you have to unload it okay yeah I was just like there's no way this motherfucker is driving this shit when Greg moved he had two freight trucks. Just full of toys and shit from his basement. <laughs> Gotta keep that shit safe. Eric, that is also not a write-off, correct? Collectibles uh, with a value I mean, that'll go up? 
I don't think just buying shit like Greg does is is a tax write-off. You would need to well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. <laughs> what if I start an eBay store and I start flipping? I mean, I'm thinking about doing that for this year anyways, just to see. I was you ahead know, of the her curve on shit. that one. I've been doing that for years. Yeah. <laughs> I need to offset some of my some of my income. Money money bucks walk over here. Yeah, I mean, not a brag. <laughs> I fucking love this. Uh, um, yeah, touch it back on the stuff that obviously the it isn't isn't clickbait because you know there are people that read it earnestly and go, "Oh, that's crazy! Hardcore's expanding," but there is people that are just trying to elevate or create an idea that these bands that showed up with very limited experience within the scene or very very little skin in a game. And in lieu of being a part of the process and being a part of like the actual scene, they do these goofy things and or they or, or they just go for uh as my boy Aunt Money say, they go for the gusto, they go for the cream, they try to get big quick and they do it by whatever means necessary. And they have these writers write these ideas and these things that happen. But the real hardcore scene is strong. I mean, I was, I was sitting there watching that strength for reason, had to try to push Kev hair over and I'm watching a band. Ty got me instead. Yeah. Ty actually did fuck you up. It was good. Cause I couldn't get to you. So I'm glad <laughs> he got you. But like when a band like strength for reason can still have a reaction, I know real hardcore is still fundamentally. Okay. And I know that there's going to be people that kind of put their bands in this hat that belongs sort of with hardcore. Cause they really don't have another spot right now. But I also know in five years when they're interviewed, if they get any bigger, they're like, oh, we never really were like a hardcore band. You know, we just kind of knew some people from the scene. And that's usually the tape that's given. So I am glad that the younger bands and the younger kids are getting support from the older heads. Like I saw a lot of people, saw a lot of people give love to some of the younger bands throughout this entire year at different shows. The mixed bill of the young kid, old guy thing really does work out in that regard. Um it makes me happy to see, but I do think that uh, we might have to start getting a cool ass magazine or something going because it really is just no echo and a handful of good podcasts that actually talk about real hardcore. Yeah. I mean, the thing with the list that you're talking about is that I've seen a bunch of them this year of, of the, the paid like, or the ones either they're paid or they feel like they're paid. And at least five to 10 of the same records are on every one. Like, you know what you're getting with there's there's obviously no real discovery or like people being like i've looked and i found this and this is what i liked it's kind of just obvious what's going on where it's like the same record every top hardcore list from like pitchfork or brooklyn vegan or whatever else they looks like these are the ones that we're going to choose and then maybe they'll have like the never any game or painted truth ones on there too as the like cred records you know like the oh yeah these are the heavy hardcore records but then it's all the same other ones and like you know like bob was saying nothing against those records like they're good and i like some of them but it's just kind of like it's kind of obvious what is happening when it's just the same things over and over the same ones over and over yeah there's definitely bands on there that you could tell are just put on there by the pr shit or whatever the fuck and then they can't draw like 45 people by themselves and I would just be embarrassed, dude. I'd be like, uh, you got to stop putting our names on this shit because nobody cares. We objectively suck ass. Like, it's just, it's just enough of this shit. 
there's a level of fake it to your make it that just it gets dragged along sometimes with some of these bands. And it also is like an echoing point for people that are older than I am and older than you, Bob, where like you'll talk to them and they're like, oh, I really like it. And it's like whatever the top band is at that moment that some stupid article and you're like, you don't really listen to that. You're just <laughs> you read that awesome article. Yeah. Well, you know? Yeah, um, I was at a record store this year and, and somebody was there and they came and asked for one of those kind of new like bands. And we're and they didn't have the record, and then left, and we were all just kind of like, the guy seemed like he was pretty old, like you know, older than us, and we were all just like, really, that's the record that he came in here for, and it's just kind of like, like, you know, it is whatever people like what they like, but it's kind of weird the bands that get on the radars of people. Well, I think it's marketed specifically for those types. Yeah, they just want to like they're doing their job. They just want to say, like, yeah, of course I like them. And then it's bizarre because the same seven older 80s and 90s bands go, yeah, I really want them guys to open. You're like, how the fuck do these assholes know about this shit? <laughs> um, I will say something that's kind of getting me be bummed out, and it's most recent. Um, obviously, today, Mike Gibson died from Leeway. Mm-hmm. And people don't, you know, he's not an everyday name in hardcore because he actually did the writing. He actually... If you were to argue about leeway and you say, oh, AJ, 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 and and you'd be kind of wrong. It was Mike Gibson who really put that whole leeway thing in motion. That sound, he even eventually later on did the, I don't know if you guys saw the documentary where he's kind of like, we got fucked by profile. You know, I know he was trying to put like it together better than he could have, but um it sucks to see these kind of people that like legit pioneered stuff that would go on to be a blueprint for hardcore for decades to come, not really get only their deserved like love, but to see them kind of pass away. That guy, Dave Stein, I know you guys have heard me say about on the podcast, but like he was DIY till the fucking end, you know, like he was the epitome of it. I said it in the third, but I always laughed that Siv was like, yeah, he told me he's the first guy who said like, Hey, how about you not say retarded? And I had to like think about it. I'm like, you know what, Dave, for you, man? <laughs> All right, I, I won't say that. You know, like he was ahead of his time and yet his entire career he built up to still help hardcore punk. I see all this stuff starting to go away. I mean, Eddie's not in great shape and there's a bunch of older guys who aren't in great shape. And it's sad to see founding people in hardcore passing away and younger folks just being like, never heard of it. Don't even care. It's like, this is like part of the fabric that makes everything that you're into a thing. Whether you don't have to go to his fucking grave and kiss his fucking headstone or anything crazy, but like people don't even know the impact that some of these people who are passing away have. And it's sad to see because I was raised in the idea of like, you should at least know what Warzone is. You should at least know these things. And it's just, is it really that many years apart that no one has to know this shit anymore? Yeah, it is a weird thing, like, because, like, when I was younger, like, I was super into sports before, like, hardcore and all that, so I was obsessed with knowing every single thing about all the teams I liked, you know, whatever, like, what did this guy do, whatever, and then, so, when I got into hardcore, I did the same thing, I would, like, just do, like, insane deep dives and try to find out as much as humanly possible, like, oh, this guy went into being in this band, his name is this, he did this, that, and the other, like, and then now I feel like people are just like, yes, I like this band, and, like, that's just, it's just, like, surface level, and like, I mean, even like 
when somebody told me the leeway guitarist died, obviously the first thing I thought was AJ, yeah. you know, so even like, you know, RP to, to this dude, but like, I was just like, Oh shit. Like it didn't even occur to me. That would be, you know what I mean? So like for a 20 year old, I guarantee you it's like super, super far off the radar. And like, yeah, I just don't think they really care about like, you know, there's, there's kids like Ben Stuckey and like Jake Smith and like them. And that, uh, you know, actually like, like digging for things and all that shit. But yeah, as, as, as a whole, I feel like it's pretty, it's like going by the wayside, which is crazy because with discogs and like other stuff, like it's super easy to find out a ton of information really quick, but like, you know, it's just kind of, you just listen to one thing, something one time and then you put it on, you're like, Oh yes, I like this band. And like, that's as far as you get. Discogs is the website I'm on the most. Not the most Kev. Let's be honest here. The most. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, also like Jimmy Flynn died this week. and I was going to bring him up next. Yeah, yeah it's the same type of thing where it's like, you know, every everybody's talking just like, guy loved hardcore, lived for it, like loved every all the bands, everything. It's like, you know, it's just, you don't always get credit for just being an actual like lifer, just, you know, living and breathing this stuff. But that's, these are the people that are important, you know, like that's what the scene, that's what survives the scene. That's like hardcore as we know it and not what people try to tell us it is. It's heartbreaking in the regard that the people that work the hardest for stuff often fall to the wayside because it's on the, it's on the efforts of all these different people that these things exist, you know, um, well, no one, no one will ever get their fair shake or fair due or fair pay or whatever. But when it comes to Jimmy Flynn, I actually love that no one from his local area ignored how impactful. A, I mean, yeah, he was in some bands. I mean, I, do you guys remember when they was, I played the Boiler Room? They were downhill fest or something. Yeah, yeah downhill fest. He played it like it was like a week after I got bailed out. Chris and them were doing the fucking boiler room and they were like, yo, we're going to go get some beers. And I'm like, I don't know. There's a bar up the street. And they have hanging out in this uh, Puerto Rican bar, getting nothing but forties. They're like, this is great. You drink forties right inside. Like They thought it was the greatest thing ever. And it's like, yeah, you guys didn't get killed either. It's fucking great. You know? Um, but you know, hardcore promoters, you know, that, yeah, you know, there's some love in the moment, but over time they're going to get, covered in the annals with the sands of whatever new band is out but it's really cool to see boston step up there are so many really awesome well actually meaning and really well-deserved words said on just how much he loved hardcore how much he loved boston boston sports and i just don't see that many people with that kind of dedication and i mean he is kind of unmatched for a lot of different reasons but in the newer crop it's it's fewer and far between you see someone who's a sycophantic as like Bob was saying, like they want to know everything about it. Like knowing that you today was also in X amount of other bands or knowing all the different guys who were in side by side and knowing everybody, like these things are like so unimportant because it's about buying this next t-shirt or, you know, doing this other thing. And it's like a commercialized thing and less like a cultural thing and less like a history thing to me as my observing younger folks. They know a lot less. They care about a lot less, but they consume so much more than I think I ever think I could. Yeah, it's like, it's weird because uh, 
every, I think everybody in here, maybe Eric doesn't know him, but like Ambrose, our friend Ambrose is on uh, the fucked Damien from Fucked Up's podcast. And he kind of was like bringing this up because like that's a dude who's in the weeds, like with every fucking, you know, punk and hardcore thing forever. And he was like talking about how like when we all lived in Fishtown and shit, we'd all just be, you know, just shooting the shit and talking to like four or five in the morning. And like, dude, I can't count like the the things that like I learned, like just from like talking to people, you know, like, hey, I, did you ever hear about this? Like with this band or this guy did this or whatever, whatever. And like, yeah, just I don't know. I'm sure kids still do that. But like, I don't know if they just sit around with no TV on, no nothing like and then just literally just like talking about a hardcore, you know what I mean? Until fucking the sun comes up. So it's just, yeah, I don't know if that's like, I'm sure there is pockets of people that do that, but as a whole, like, I just don't think that really exists anymore. Yeah. I mean, those exact times that you're talking about literally changed my life. They're like my favorite things that have ever happened. They change what I like, what I know, like everything about it, like legitimately were like, I mean, it was silly talking about whatever bands, but like literally like our, the most important thing times that I've ever experience you know like that's what makes hardcore what it is all the stories all the lore like I, I work in an office and everybody most of the people I work with are between the ages of like 25 and 40 and when I talk about I don't I don't talk too much about like specifics or whatever but I talk about like oh I'm going to a show this weekend I'm seeing friends from all over I'm going to, to show uh next weekend and I'm gonna all my friends are over here whatever talk about stuff like the way that they talk about music or the things that they're into is just completely viewed differently than how we view it. Like it's not, you know, if you go to a concert, you go to a big thing and it's, it's just like, Oh yeah, I paid my money to see the show. But when I talk about, I'm like, Oh yeah, I saw my friends from, you know, my friends from Boston and my friends from Michigan were there. My friends from Florida were there and like, you know, everybody was there and, and I got to see people I didn't see for a while and like all that stuff. And then the lore, like, we talk about records and stuff, but the reason why the records are cool or why the shirts are cool is because of the stories behind them. Like they're not cool by themselves. They're just a piece of plastic, a piece of shirt, but like the story behind the shirt that we're all taught that they're all talking about it. Like the reason why they're the money that they are is because there's so much lore behind them and the records are the same way. Like there's so much behind each one and like finding out new stuff about all that things. Like, we were even just talking, or we talked about the 185 episode, and they had people from this year telling the stories of how songs came this year and stuff, like the Stigmatism record. And there was a story about the Homefront record that they had the single of the year was almost not on the record. And like they had the whole story of that. And like all that stuff is what makes all this super cool. Like that's why it's important and great. And if you remove that, it's like not really hardcore anymore. It's like what it's what makes it awesome. Eric? Yeah, I got to. Uh, I'm, I was just going to say that um, the years I worked at TDT Screen Printing with Jeff D'Agostino, I was you know 17, 18, and a lot of of what Kev or what Kev just said was like uh, every day you'd go to work, and even though I'd be late and lazy and fucking have a terrible attitude, Jeff put up with it and would like tell stories because he was going to shows in the '80s, and I looked up to those guys, Jeff, Dave Ackerman from Tear It Up. And, uh, and then some of the other people I worked with, I fucking spit in their face and they were cunts to me because they didn't, they knew I didn't know all the words to the germs or whatever, but Jeff and Chris and these other, you know, I was fucking young. What do I know? I knew the war hunger fucking demo. I didn't know 
fucking the germs. But but Jeff and Dave and guys like that, really Brian from Bored to Death and Nightbirds, you know, them people really showed me so much and they made it, hey, it's okay you don't know what this is. Check it out. Hey, I would fucking take a Tupperware bin full of CDs home on the weekends and rip them onto my desktop computer of all this crazy shit just because these guys were nice to me and would explain things to me in a respectful way, not to spit on me or treat me like a piece of shit. Walt? Yeah, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like compared <laughs> to you guys, like I like legit and pretty surface level in knowledge. I mean, I, I like what I like, but one of the reasons I appreciate you guys so much is because, you know, you four like hardcore encyclopedias. So going back to something Kev said, where some of the best times he ever had was just like chilling with his friends and then just like learning the history of some of these bands that you like so much, like learning the lore, understanding like why this is cool. I mean, that is a big reason why I like hanging out with you guys, because I could just, you know, learn something or understand something that I might have not had knowledge before. But to me, it's always cool to learn something new. I, I don't know if I'm one like myself to, you know, go on the Internet and do some crazy like discobs scrub, you know, about like this guy was in like all these different bands. I mean. I'm not really like one to do that, but you know, it's cool. Like seeing, like, I guess, I don't know. I, I hate that I'm about to say this, but like with the power of like social media today, you see like how these two guys that, that just passed away were so important to so many people's lives. So you see like this person post about him and be like, Oh, this person was, was really important in, in my friend's eyes. And that, you know, I feel like a lot of people can just learn to appreciate the magnitude of someone through, through something like that. Yeah. It's, I agree with that point. Like there's a dude like Jimmy, you know what I mean? If it wasn't for social media, people would just be, you know, talking to like having to be like, you know, word of mouth or whatever about it. But like seeing the amount of people from all across the board of all kinds of Boston hardcore and like beyond that, like talk about how important he was and how much he meant to the scene and how much he cared about shit. Like if, you know, if you're a younger kid and you weren't really sure, you know, you never heard of him maybe, or you didn't know like the extent of what he did. Like it's a good way to, you know, kind of get like a, a history recap and understand why these people feel the way they do about him. Right. Like even 20 years ago or something, you know, someone like this passes away and it truly is possible that they just like fall by the wayside as you know, Joe put it, but at least now, you know, you have like, I don't know, even, even something like one of your friends, like just shares a post and been like, Hey, this person sent me this text one day. And, you know, he was just a really important person in my life. It like shed some light on the scene at large. I think. There definitely is a lack of socialization now. And I thought about what you said, because I'd come to many of your houses, Bob, and ruined many of your little talks with your little friends. But I no, think of, you always suck. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in hindsight, these kids don't have to hang out in person. They just got this little fucking phone. They got the you got your little group text and your little side group text, and the one walks not in, the one walks in. You know, I know how you guys roll. I'm in all of them. <laughs> but in reality, <laughs> it is that personal hang time, and is that is that discussions, and like. 
going back to the Jimmy Flynn thing for a minute, there was a time where, you know, being the guy that loved all the bands really was important. You know, like, you know, no one ran around going, I love this band more than you, but it was important to see so many people in hardcore actually like truly wear their heart on their sleeve when it comes to their their town, their bands. Uh, I read this, I read this thing from uh, about Jimmy saying where he asked for artwork and he wanted to, to include the 1990 molasses flood because yeah. that's how deep in the Boston history he was. And to me, that's the most Jimmy Flynn type shit. Like not just wanting the hardcore shirt, but it has to include some like arcane molasses Boston shit just shows you the depth of how much he tied his city and his love of his city to his love of his hardcore scene. And it's such an integral part of not only a character. Certain scenes have character more than others for obvious reasons, but personalities really do make this whole thing last because it does become lore or folklore and these different people. Yeah. You know, not everybody's going to have this a JJ or a Harley level kind of presence, the omnipresence and the, worldwide phenomena but everywhere has people that really do bleed for their hardcore scene so when one of them goes it's sad because it's a it's a really hard thing to see these days and hopefully some of these youngins i'd, I'd like to believe it's the stucky i I'd like to believe that some of these younger these andrews and these fucking big jakes these dylans are going to carry some of this on because it would be nice to hear as I start to lose hearing that there's some young kids telling stories, oh, that Joe, I heard the story, you know, like, remember that Bob, you know, oh, you should have heard, you know, like, it's good to pass this stuff on in an oral tradition. And it, it's sad to see it kind of fall to the wayside or just, and I, you know what, dude, like, and then the contrast that, Bob, did you ever do the mullet board thing or were you beyond that? I would look at it, but I wasn't on it, yeah. And that's the whole deal. So for those who don't know, the mullet board was like the rev board, or the bridge nine board only you had to know specific questions about record pressings, amounts, colors, and all these different things that just showed the level of what you actually knew. And then like a year and a half later, it was obsolete because there was like 18 year old kids on bridge nine who Googled all of that. And were like the greatest band of all time was alone in the crowd. We're like, well, they played one show. So how are they the greatest band of all time? You know, like, and that was kind of like what we had to deal with in the, end of the 90s into the 00s was like the internet know-it-all because they did google and they didn't really live any of it so i'm glad there's not a lot of that but i do wish there was a better connection maybe meet us in the middle a little bit yeah that's another thing going back to jimmy too is like you say with the personality and like you know like just really just loving his scene so much and just like bleeding you know like boston with everything he did with with like agents putting bands in just like like uh was like the disembodied head kind of thing. You know what I mean? Being yeah. like, oh, like this person who's just going to pay the guarantee, not even be at the show, not, you know, have like somebody run the show for them, not be seen or heard. And just like you show up, the person shows you where you load your shit and you get on stage and you leave. Like that just, it's like less and less, like just, you know, of like you're, you and Philly, Greg in Jersey, Jimmy, you know, in Boston, fucking, you know, the scaling in New York, like that doesn't really, like going forward, I feel like it's going to be coming less and less and people are going to have less of a connection with the person actually doing the shit. And it's just, that's why a lot of it's going to fall by the wayside too. Cause it's just, 
it's just like an ATM basically. You know what I mean? Like there's no, there's not nothing that you're like putting into it or like giving a shit about. It's just, you got hit up and you're just doing the show and you won't even be there. Like the, the shows that I remember in general, like of course I've seen good package tours and stuff like, and it sets that I remember, but like the shows where I can remember the lineups and stuff are the, the ones that weren't package shows, like all the shows, especially in like the mid to late two thousands that, you were doing Joe and then like the Doylestown shows and stuff. Now, like the shows that resonate and that leave an impact are the ones that are like, you know, you can tell that there was some real care and like thought put into it. And like this year with like the blacklisted shows and stuff, like those are the, my favorite shows of the year with real, like couldn't happen anywhere else. They're not a tour package or whatever. Like that's what, hardcore shows are to me it's not the core package where every like and i understand you know there's some there's like sometimes you need that a little bit but like there's no real balance anymore where just everybody as soon as their band starts to do something it's just five band packages and on a wednesday night or whatever and it's not as much these local promoters building shows that are unique to wherever they are and like you see a jimmy flynn flyer and like that show was obviously built by him. You see a, sh- a flyer that you did, Joe. Like that show was obviously your show, Bob. The same way. Like that's what makes hardcore special. And that's, I mean, Greg does a really good job of that still too. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, Greg too. He's like, again, there's like the the work, no dick ride, but like like you put in like, yo, I love this band. They have not played Jersey in their existence as a band. I'm gonna do whatever I can to make it happen. I'm gonna build the lineup, like make it work, make it somewhere like where they want to come out and do it. And like, yeah, like, like I was saying, like Joe, me, you and Greg, like, I feel like we all love the start from scratch shit way more than the, uh, maybe you'll get an opener on this package tour, but it'll probably just have the five bands. You know what I mean? Like, that's the part that pisses me off the most, right? You have an agent coming to you. Hey, you're going to do this show in your city. No, 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 no local or, oh, we're going to put this band on as the opener. They're from a surrounding city. They don't really contribute shit to the city or the scene, but we're going to put them on because the guitar player, blah, 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 is friends with this person. It's like, fuck that. Like you're, you're in the, you're here doing the work every fucking week, month, year to build and put on for your city. And then you have these agents coming to be like, no, yeah, this is, this is the opener for this one, or this is who the band wants. It's like, but they're not from here. They're from fucking across the country from wherever they're from. And you have some dickhead agent, like kind of pushing you around and being like, well, if you want the package, and it's like, but who else are you going to give the package? Yeah. Some weird promoter that just cares about his 10%, 10%, 15% promoter profit. Half the time it's a promoter profit. I'm bleeding on 15 other shows. So there is no profit or I'll just give the money to the fucking bands. Like, and you know, a good example of it is like when bands like Tsunami are going to come play and I'm begging them, punishing them to come play New Jersey. I'm like, is this okay? Like I want to give them as much money as humanly possible just to show how grateful I am that they would go out of their way to come to New Jersey for a one-off show. Well, I, I've dealt with a couple of things this year that really, I had to like realign, I had to like get like Jocko said, like I got to realign. Like what am I, what is the purpose of what I'm doing here? I had an agent tell me, Hey, we, we, uh, the band approved an opener, but reach out and get them on the show. And I kind of scratched my head at it. Like, wait, you talked to the opener. And it was kind of like that uh, 
P. Diddy looking at like a $1 bill. Like I couldn't figure out what I was being told. You talk to the opener and they're in, but I got to reach out and contact them. And I'm like, I, I, so I didn't even bother. I'm like, well, sounds like you guys already got an opener. And then like, they never showed up and played. And I talked to the headliner like, oh yeah, we figured they weren't going to play. And it was like, it's a missed opportunity from the band point of view, but also the agent being involved mud, like literally, like literally fucking mishandled the whole thing, like completely dropped the physical ball where, and then in another case, in both these cases, the headlining situations would have been better if I had more of an input as an, as who the openers were and in what order, because I got to help the draw by having more locals in. Because when the locals aren't involved, the local kids are less likely just to show up unless it's like a slam dunk package. And again, same thing. It was like, oh, well, we want this band to play, but they have to open. And I'm like, well, they can't open because they're bigger than most of the bands on your package. And it's not fair. So that that show that could have sold out didn't sell out because they didn't take my insight. And it's not like I don't make more money if the open the local plays later. I'm doing it because it's what's fair. Now, I'm going to take this way back for Bob. This is well over 10 years ago. Bob had this awesome fucking, awesome fucking Doylestown show. And my guy hits me up and he's like, yeah, I got Have Heart coming to. And it was like downtown. I'm like, well, you can't because Bob's got this awesome fucking show in the suburbs. And he's like, oh, well, I gave it to this other guy. I'm like, yeah, but it's fucked up if you don't do that. If you do that, like you're fucking Bob over and I had to tell the guy, like, you have to, like, they have to play here instead. They can't play there. They got to play here because you're being a dick doing this, even though you kind of don't really care. And you're like, oh, well, the offer was good. It's like, it doesn't matter if the offer is good. It's what's right. And thankfully, because of the relationship that I had and the relationship Bob was building with that person that they listened, that was one of the craziest in a snowstorm Doylestown shows there were. I took the fucking train because I didn't want to smash my car that night. But like, you know, we 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 got to say what the lineup of that show was, so people know it was Half Heart, Ringworm, Pulling Teeth, Rival Mob, My Luck, Mother Mercy. I think the Mongoloids were on it, but I don't think they played. Uh, Greg, don't do snow. <laughs> exactly. Like the lineup was for that show was like that's the type. And you know, going back to the point, I just named the entire lineup of that show because it was built pretty much from scratch, and it's a crazy lineup. You like, I'll remember that forever. Nothing, Walt? It wasn't at that show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll like remember... Day, bro. I'm not leaving the house. I'll remember Joe spin-kicking <laughs> over Rifkin floor-punching for the rest of my life during Ringworm. That was the last time I saw Big Carl Mosh until last weekend. Dude, it's just like, that's the kind of stuff that I love about pulling on shows where you have you have and it's actually I don't know Bob maybe and Greg it is harder with some of the agents because they have more of a control from behind a locked door because the bands you and I'll say this to people who are like not in the know what goes on I don't I don't I don't think in many years I've gone around an agent because it's not worth the bullshit but I, I tend to ask the band about their input before I worry about what their booking agent says because the band the band's response usually kind of dictates to me like, all right, this is going to be some bullshit and I'm just going to have to deal with like a whacker show. 
And I like, I don't go to the bands and go, Hey, I'll give you a different deal. I go to the bands and go, Hey, this is the situation. Like we just did with pain of truth. Like, Hey, I don't know what your agent's going to say, but, uh, this Balmara tour is coming through <laughs> with Adrian and shit. And I don't think that you guys should have a show against them. So you might want them on there. And in an email that could have been taken differently from the agent perspective. than if the band goes to the agent and goes, here's what we're doing. And it's their idea, you know, like, but I feel like a lot of these bands, you hit them up and they just ghost you or they duck. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> and you're like, yo, fuck you, motherfucker. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, it's harder to get a straight answer. And I don't even talk the financials of the bands. I want to know <laughs> what's the situation. Do you guys have openers so I can start working to do these kind of things. And, and the machine itself is blocking the path of doing these things. I don't get despondent and I can't do it because I'm I actually put my ass in gear like there's a couple times when I try to like do some fun things like we were talking about because I kind of miss doing them. But you also just kind of get burnt out being told no because of booking agent shit sometimes. Yeah. Shit gets old. I mean like go well going back to that too, you guys building a reputation and knowing you do the right way. Like on broken turns into those shows because they know that Philly will do it the right way. That you guys will do it the right way. And Bob makes it happen and goes and, and it's going to have unbroken shows that go to him to like, Hey, build these shows. And we spent tons of time really figuring out like what the lineup should be. I mean, Bob did, but he, you know, asking everybody like, Hey, what do you think? I really need to make these special. And then blacklisted happens like the last thing. And I will always forget, or not always forget, I will always remember and never forget when Bob says, yo, want to go hang out in the Wawa parking lot? And we did. And we just stood there basically standing in the Wawa parking lot for like two hours just looking at each other the whole time going, I can't believe that this is happening. I can't believe these shows are happening. And that was just like the whole conversation of just, uh, I don't know, throwing our hands up like this is crazy. And that's the type of stuff that happens when, when the promoters care and like really want hardcore to succeed and first and foremost want cool stuff to happen. And it's not about the promoter profit or making sure that this band is set up to succeed later on. It's just about like, what can we do that will be a cool thing for our city, our scene that people will remember and enjoy. And like, what is it? And just that type of shows. That's a 10 out of 10 moment for you, Bob, because you get these like, high on your wish list bands and obviously FYA would have been fucking great but honestly the right place for Unbroken was the church and that was like the perfect venue perfect layout for you to pull that off and it's like it's not a career making moment but it is awesome to see you be able to do that shit in this city and just kind of keep people because forever I mean you guys saw it it'd be like oh we're not gonna do Philly we're gonna do St. Vitus we're gonna do this we're gonna do like these other places is like, yo, motherfucker, don't forget where the fuck we're from or don't forget what this place is, you know? Yeah. I mean, Philly definitely got skipped over a bunch. So I'm glad that it's like, be, be stupid not to play Philly at this point. Bob, how long were you talking to Unbroken before like it came together? Like, is it weeks, months, years? 15 years? Yeah. Two, I think I found the emails like 20, it was after the New York one. So I think 2011. Was the first time I, I was hitting up Rob, like begging him to play Philly. Like, sick. Yeah. sick. Sometimes you got to knock on some doors. <laughs> I like that. That's why I don't like people get bummed. Like, like oh, I asked this band to play this, and you know they're just not into it. And I'm like, 
you're going to get rejected, man. Like, it is what it is. Just You can't take it personally, and, like, if you want it to happen, you just got to fucking push for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, Blacklisted said, said no one time, and then you went back a few months later. You texted <laughs> me with, like, working on a Hail Mary. Yeah. And then a month later, hey, the Hail Mary's happening. Guess what it is? And it was Blacklisted. So, like, you never know. You don't know. I'm going to try the great Hail Marys are such a motherfucker because it's like you have the thrill of victory if it lands and the agony of defeat when it doesn't. But it's so fucking worth it to huck it. Yep. You know, like you huck these you huck these Hail Marys out. You get like, I, I don't I, I want them to catch it, but I can't fuck. I don't know. <laughs> uh since uh since we're on my favorite topic, which is American football. Um are you ready to uh Celebrate, Bob? Are you going to hide your head? What are you going to do here? What, a FYA for the Eagles? Yeah. Luckily, uh, they expanded the season to 17 games, so it's not uh, like a make-or-break weekend anymore. It's not like oh, the- shit. Okay, so that way I won't have everybody yelling and screaming that weekend? Well, no. it is an important game still. Well, it'll be important, but it's not, <laughs> not, not be as important. The first time FYA was there when there's like a thousand people in the fucking – should be in the merch room fucking watching the TVs and shit. Mm-hmm. Can we disallow any within but Eagles jerseys at the FYI? I'm, I'm more than down. All right, done deal. Tom from Tampa is from Harrisburg, but is a fucking rotten, dirty fucking Cowboys fan. So that's because <laughs> when he was, that's because when he lived there, they didn't have the Ravens. They had the Colts. I mean, in the, in the, and the Colts is gone. He remembers Robert Staubach vividly, probably. So he fucking he knows the deal. And he wears the jersey at FYA every year. He has to show it off. Because yeah. he knows he's too old for anybody to jump his ass. <laughs> I respect the, uh, the dedication he has. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go round, round robin with this one. How many shows do you think Eric Walk's new band is going to have? <laughs> How many what? Shows. <laughs> Why am I not surprised you're hating on it before it even gets released? Brother, do you, to, do you want me to air out your absolute curmudgeon negative opinions no. about a recent rock concert that was exquisite and you were saying you didn't even know if there would be a reaction? No. I won't air it out, but don't ever blame me for talking some shit now. Are you even are you even do you have legal right to tell anybody about this yet? Yeah, it's recorded. Well, then, I mean, that ain't, that ain't the first time a band's recorded and then it's not happened. But tell us what's going on here. I'm doing a new band with uh, Zach Barone from Philly, uh, my friend Lennon. Um, Just your friend, not our friend? Our friend. All our, our, our collective <laughs> friend, Zach and Lennon. Uh, it's I, don't think called... Zach's fr- I don't think Zach's friends with Greg. What the fuck? Well, <laughs> Why is he not friends with me? I hope he's friends that, with me that, for that, my that, sake. That's, Jesus that's, that's news to me and Greg, but uh everybody in here is Zach Barone fan. Yeah, we yeah. We recorded the music uh two weekends ago. We got the like the rough copy. Uh hopefully the vocals will get recorded sometime in like mid January. I'm hoping for like a late January, early February release. So I mean it, you know what's it called? sudden demise i don't think that it's going to be one of those bands that you know goes on tour or even does like some crazy weekend or you know anything like that my expectations of it is just going to be a hardcore band that plays philadelphia shows and anywhere else in the area that people ask us to and everybody's available 
You know, I'm not trying to fucking. It's a three piece. No, we'll get other people to play. I don't. I don't know who is. I don't know who else is going to be in it yet. That's undecided. I'm kind of pushing for our friend. Uh, I don't even know if I should announce it on here, but I'm kind of pushing for somebody. But I don't even know if he'll do it. Fair enough. Send we'll the invite it. right now on the air. On the air. Send <laughs> the invite. I mean, I would love for Andrew to do it, but I don't know if he. I don't know if he's Ooh. going to do it. He's got sure. a lot. Of sh- he's young. He's got a lot of shit going on. No, not little Andrew. Andrew accordingly, man. Oh, AC? Yeah, Pop AC. King? Yeah. Uh, King of Pennsylvania? Yes. Fuck. He's already in one band. Hair to stay. Yeah. <laughs> I will Greg. say Sudden Demise is going to be the best Philly band in 2024. Didn't Greg have a band called World Demise? He did. Yes. That's right. How many bands have you had that did like a year or two and that's it? In that run that you were doing that shit? Two. What was it? Three, right? World Including of- Hold My Own? Hold My Own. Yeah. No. Okay. Hold My, yeah. Hold my, Hold my Own. Hold internationally. No. Yeah. <laughs> Eric, we're out here. Accidentally sneak dissing. No, I didn't sneak this. I thought the question was how many bands did you have in that two year, three year run? Did Youth Class play a show? Like? Never played a show. What was the band name? Youth Collapse. Oh, yeah, that's right. You had that thing out and you guys never played. Did you release music besides the one song on the comp? On the, what, was that One Scene Unity 2? Yeah, we had a four-song, like, EP thing that Carter put out on From Within. Okay. I listened to it at some point. I just don't remember <laughs> what it sounds like. Don't worry. It might come back around. Don't worry. <laughs> We're brewing. We're cooking over here. <laughs> I'm glad you're in a band. I do bands for different reasons, right? Some oh. people do bands that want to like play the festival. Some people do bands that want to be on the stage and feel important. I do bands because I know nobody wants me to do a band. So I'll do three bands at the same time just to piss every fucking person off. And I'll show up to the show. They'll play the show. The shows will be empty. Who fuck cares? I'm up there doing it. I'm yelling because when I'm at home, you got, I got a one-year-old that shits takes bigger shits than I do. I got a fucking seven-year-old running up and down the stairs talking about Pokemon cars, all this crazy shit. I got a British wife yelling at me all day. So I'll go to the shows. The shows can be empty for all the fuck I care. And I'm going to do the band. I'll yell around, jump around, and then I'll go back to my own personal hell. <laughs> I mean, hold my own. You're basically the father of that whole band. Yeah. Also the smartest and the most handsome. And the tallest. <laughs> Definitely the tallest. Um, Kev Hare, Hare to Stay Three. Is it happening? Uh, Fuck yeah, it's happening. Yeah, it'll happen. (laughs) There's no, there's no plans for it to happen, but it'll happen at some point. I have plans. You, you got to make the, you got to make. No, there's no plans like specific like shows, but you got to make the people wait for it. Yeah, you got to make, you got to make the people wait. You can't just do it too much. People will say, oh, you should do this show, you should do that show. And it's like, you got to make them want. got to make them want the next hair to stay set. I wish we did the demo so bad. But just- we could still do it. We could still do it next year. The li- the hair to stay uh, tape, don't worry. We could do that. What, we just, just, the, just the, we, just the we live just set on tape? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're giving away some uh, ideas, but we were going to do that and we forgot like we were like, this is a really good idea. We're gonna do a hair to stay set. And we've got that, so next year. Did that we can get iron, we can do both live sets on it. 
did that gridiron like tape from the after show at Bonks ever actually come out? Yeah, I got one. I got one right over there. Maybe right. Carl didn't hook you up with one. That's kind of sad. You're gonna have to bug him. I don't, I don't really want one that bad, but I just just asking a question. <laughs> just breaking balls is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, fuck Carl. Just kidding. I love. But pair to stay 2024. I'd say probably, but who knows? I would say definitely, definitely. What's up with Mother Mercy, Bob? The kids want Mother Mercy. Kids do the do not. What's that? <laughs> the kids do the people in the band besides me do not. Damn. Yeah, I've been I've been I've been turned down many times for for many shows. So I, I unless you know kids you know kids that fuck with Mother Mercy. I don't even know, man. I don't know. Well, we would it would have to. It could suck ass, but it could be fine. I don't know. Listen, if you want a Mother Mercy, you should have come to the Hair to Stay set to see the worst Mother Mercy cover you could possibly <laughs> see. <laughs> All right, since it's the new year, give me uh, three resolutions, starting with Walk. Mine are, like, you're just going to make fun of me. Mine are, mine are, like, not hardcore related. They're, they don't have to be anything. They could be, like, I want to be an inch taller. I mean, whatever the fuck you want to do. Uh, I want to snatch 90 kilos. I want to clean jerk 120. And I want to, I don't know, not hate my life as much in 2024 you got to be grim there you go that's a that's the important one there's a good one started out a little weird talking in kilos and shit but uh you came back fred (laughs) hair to stay what's next give me three brown belt uh i'm gonna break your leg you'll never get to be a brown belt i'll break yours first (laughs) um not be bogged down by work bullshit as much this year because I was quite a bit th- last year. And let's see. Let's maybe a band, maybe an actual band. Who knows? Maybe. Hair to stay is the band. <laughs> Resolution denied, Kev. Hair. Okay. Two bands. <laughs> G, G, what do you got going on? What's up? Come on. Think uh, time management better better with overall time management. So like work, band, hardcore, wife, kids, just better with kind of putting the whole puzzle together and uh, staying communicative in my relationships of life. Um, I'm a cancer, so I like to kind of like do things my own way and be silent, and then just say, "Oh, this is what I'm doing," but. It, it could be very selfish and deemed very selfishly. So not the astrology listening. Yeah. I, I don't know. I used to be that well. way. I'm a cancer as well. I know exactly what he's saying. Yeah. So I'm trying moving to move in the shadows. Exactly. My, exactly. So like the other day was <laughs> in this house, we suffer in silence. <laughs> I, told, I, told, I let my seven year old know that she started crying. I looked her in the eye and I told her, in this house, we suffer in silence. That's an important lesson because she's going to either learn it at seven or learn it at seventeen. So I want to start letting her know now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I fucking love it. <laughs> Are you getting through to her? <laughs> I think so. I believe he did. Good. 
<laughs> she stopped. She stopped weeping for a moment to look me in the eyes to see if I was being serious, and she quickly found out that I was. <laughs> That's good. What else? I'm gonna try and shed 20 pounds to be back at the weight I was pre-COVID. I put on a little weight, boys and girls, and I got to get rid of that. Got to get back to being healthy, Greg. Fat Greg made a second appearance back in 2010. Fat Greg was running the streets, and I gotta, I gotta shed those pounds again. I don't know if you remember. I know my friend Bob does, but I gotta, gotta get rid of those 20. That's that's two, and three. Uh, in 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 life hours, so after work hours. Obviously, if I'm on the East Coast, it's gonna be a little bit later than if I was on the West Coast. But try and just put the phone down and stop answering things that are work related because if I do it late at night or I do it the next day, the, the, the turnaround doesn't matter because at that point, if it's that late, me responding the next day is fine. Roberto. Um, kind of piggybacking off of Greg with the 20 pounds shit. Um, I am definitely the largest I've ever been. So I'd like to change that. So I'm you gonna... live in large though. <laughs> Yeah, but so, you know, I don't want to be emaciated like I was back in the day, but I, I, a nice, happy medium would be nice. Uh, so eat better, drink less soda, unfortunately. Um, maybe run, who the fuck knows? Don't run, man. Never get a, run. Get a Peloton. <laughs> uh, uh, I'd rather just run in a circle, honestly, than be on a Peloton. Pre-COVID, <laughs> Greg promised he would do BJJ. He hasn't. He and started. I did, it one, I did it two times. Yeah, I did it two or three times. Fuck, I was going to say that it, that was my way out of ever doing one since Greg didn't, but. Oh, Greg did it years ago. He was texting me about it. Sadly, he he only did it a few times. Yeah. Joe needs to get back. Well, I don't want to get to his. Oh. No, no, no. We're not done. Do you have other ones, Bob? Get the... Just uh, try and be, obviously, the first year putting out actual vinyl was like a learning process. So I just want to, I feel like I'm pretty on top of things, but I just want to make sure that. I'm more on top of things if I can, just, you know, getting shit out on time and, and just, uh, yeah, just things like that, I guess, just being more proactive about things, not putting things off. I think the proactive thing comes because when you're working for yourself or you're just doing it, you're at a, you're at the pace that you're able to control the success or failure. Like I know, you know, uh, the thing I learned about working with females in this whole thing versus working with men we know the blurry gray lines. Mm-hmm. Now, every once in a while, there's one of these Eric Walk types who's like a rules lawyer and like a schedule keeper. But the rest of us know we can blur like, ah, I got a little bit of time. Like, you know, there's a little gray area to fudge around with. But once you start really pushing, I mean, Rebirth has done some really cool shit. And I think that it's awesome to see you put more back into the scene in the last year or so. And the records you've been doing is fucking great. So I think it'll just come naturally. I also think that it's it's a learning process for you, as you said, you know. So don't be too hard on yourself, but it'd be awesome to see what uh when you release the hair to stay demo. You know? Demo. Yeah, yeah sudden sudden device EP, rebirth records. I would um what else? Was that two or is that three, Bob? Um that's probably like five altogether. Um <laughs> I'm good with that. All right. Um, I'm gonna do more art this year. The world needs that. I've been doing. Yeah. I've been. I've been doing some art. I've been. I'm gonna work on it mentally. It gives me time away from the stuff that I have procrastinated or on the things I don't enjoy. 
So uh, I need I need to do a lot of what everyone's been saying. Um, I really miss jujitsu, and I think that the course back to it is just going to be slower. You know, like um, injury, and then the work that I do really limited the ability that I had to get on the mats, and I prioritize work and other things. So you get in this thing where all your buddies are way ahead, and you're like, "Fuck!" And it's not losing because I mean, it's you still go home. It's not like when you get beat in jujitsu, your girl's like you have to sleep outside. I'm sure there's some psycho out there whose girl, if he gets tapped, he's gonna sleep outside. But it's ain't fucking me. I go home, eat a fucking steak, and hang on my girl, regardless if I fucking tap a hundred times or not. But mentally, I have to put myself in the place where I make it a part of the regular weekly schedule. Um, the only person you measure yourself against is you. Yeah, it's a marathon. It's not a. Um, it's not a race. I want more face time with my friends. I like, I like this stuff. I want to work on the podcast and make it more organized. I feel I've talked to at least three or four of you about this, that I have a low self-esteem regarding this podcast. Cause I can't put the kind of stuff that other people put into the podcast. And I, there's have ideas. So I'm going to really try to push forward and work on that. Um, and I want more FaceTime with my friends. I, I kind of got drawn inward and kind of had to reorganize my home life. I want like, even if it's just like Bob said, sitting outside of a Wawa and just having that time to talk about nothing or just like, like, yeah, fucking shows are great. You know what I'm going to love that hour before doors where Bob's sort of a wreck. So I'm trying to break balls and make everything kind of light or when everything's over and we're all laughing and talking about it. Like we all kind of do things for the scene and with the scene. So we're always in the process of doing, but it's the small things like the hangs, not just the dinners. It's like the weird places. Like outside somewhere bullshitting. I want more of that, man. I I I miss the I miss just seeing. I also really want to go out to Boyertown and see some of those fucking crazy car races and do more <laughs> shit with my friends because I spent a lot of time. I worked a lot of hours. I worked like twenty four hundred hours this year. Yes, and <laughs> not kidding. I worked like twenty four hundred hours this year on the books, not including the show work and then the shows themselves and all this shit. And I love it and it's cool, but at the same time as I, I don't want to lose the connection to the point where like it's like oh Joe's working, he couldn't come. You know, like I want to make sure that the in person what what is that? What's this what do they say, Greg, in your world? Not touch base, but like FaceTime. Like I have some FaceTime with the people, right? Is that what they say? Circling back, FaceTime. Oh, yeah, person, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I miss like yeah, it's fun to go eat with you assholes, but it's way more fun to stand outside in the parking lot. I'd actually just yeah. like to go find a parking lot and go hang out in front of one. I, I mentioned this to some of my like, non-hardcore like work friends and stuff, like me and Bob hanging out at Wawa and stuff, and they could not process it. They think it's the <laughs> weirdest thing in the world. I tried to explain it. I probably did a miserable job explaining why it's cool, but they cannot understand it. They think that I'm weird for doing it, but... Sometimes you just got to go hang out with your friend in the parking lot and just sit there and stare at each other and say, I can't believe the show is happening for two hours. That's what you have to do. You should bring back the uh, Best Buy and Collegeville parking lot, throwing football in the parking lot there. Rim times. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Set up. Was that? Set up, uh, is that really Collegeville where I pulled up the with Collegeville, guys? Yeah. Yeah. Hit me, I think. I will be. Yeah, that was Collegeville. I will be back at Limerick in a couple months, so you know, can make it which, happen. Which 
I, I forget what show it was recently, but when we all we went to a show, I feel like it was in New Jersey, but I can't remember what show it was. And then afterwards, we wanted to eat, and we just went to like Chipotle and Chick Fil A, and straight up just set up chairs in the parking lot afterwards, and just sat there for like an hour, hung out, and then left. Yeah, all the guys are down for the loitering. I don't a single girl that hangs out that enjoys it, but they they can go do something else in that I time. Didn't say we were hanging out with the pros. I oh, said, I'm just I said it was the fellas here. If they want to sit in the car, just in the fucking car. Now, I, I want to yeah. see my friends more and just talk nonsense. I I miss the time. I feel like everybody's on a good page. Um, Bob, you did an amazing thing by pulling out the Lithuanian Music Hall. We're going to be putting some effort into trying to pull a couple more rooms together, pulling more shows together. We got the Philly Hardcore website back up and running. Got the login. The juice is back. He's no longer on the loose. <laughs> Things are moving in that regard. And um, I would... I don't care what is in front of me unless it's a fucking a foot of snow. I'll be at that death threat show in January. Um, I'll be at the death threat show in January. And yeah, I just want to make sure that you guys ever get to the point where you do things because you have to and not because you really want them. I haven't done all the things I wanted to do last year. So I've been really just thinking like, man, I just want to stand around with my guys and just talk some shit. Like I really just want to go get some fucking. It don't have to be food. We can literally just sit outside and Bob can drink like four Dr. Peppers and we can just watch them. <laughs> he said he's going to cut down, so we'll only have three. Fair yeah. enough. I'm a serial, so I'll do it any fucking time, any day. Fair enough. Um, I'm gonna we're gonna go in bottom order. We're gonna start with Kev. Give me a little uh, whether it's a goodbye, anything you got a parting words for everybody. I don't. Sadly, I'm not too wise. I don't have a lot of wisdom. So You're thanks for having me on. You're almost a brown I'm almost a brown belt, hopefully. Uh, but excited for FYA. Uh, one thing, I guess, uh, what I'll say is kind of corny, serious. But, like, if you see me at a show, come up and say hi. I think that one of the things that, that makes hardcore, hardcore cool is just talking to people. And I think that, like, there's no – just talk to – that's how you kind of get ingrained in the scene, right? So just come talk to me or Bob or Joe or Greg or Eric. And I don't know if you want to talk, talk to Eric. Eric. He's kind of he's kind of dry. <laughs> but um, don't talk but just Please come not. talk to us and just hang out. And we're at shows. Like, see us around. Say what's up. Greg. Yeah, honestly, I'm really excited for FYA weekend. That's uh, going to be a great way to keep the year off, especially since I missed last year. I have some things to make up for from missing last year. So it will be, uh, I am looking forward to that. And just, uh, you know, if you're straight edge, be straight edge. If you're vegan, be vegan. If you're fucking none of those things and then do what you're going to do, but be, be about what you talk about and don't be a fucking poser. Walk. Uh, I'm looking forward to FYA. I'm like less stressed out about my work bullshit than I was last year about it. So I hope to have a better time. Um, FYA is awesome. It's truly one of the best times of the year for me. Fests are awesome in general, but hardcore shows are just where it's at. And that's always going to be where it's at. You know, as, as fun as, you know, the fests are where everybody travels. And if you're not going to like local hardcore shows, like in your own scene throughout the year, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. Roberto. Uh, yeah, just I'll be at like 1130 next Sunday night. I'll be uh, 
relieved and happy. So until then, I'm probably just going to be stressed and all that shit. But we're I'm, probably going to be pulling up to a fast food spot and you're losing your wallet again. Yeah, yeah. If that happens, get one of them chain wallets. I, I, I there's. I, I nearly went to that twice after losing my money twice this year and having my debit card replaced. You know what the fucked up thing with the wallet is? I I realized I didn't have it for two whole days before that, like because I just didn't use my wallet all weekend. And then I was trying to think of where I was. I was trying to retrace my steps, and I randomly remembered the address of or what street the Wawa was on down there. And I called them and asked them if they had it, and they're like, and they were quizzing me on it, and it was in fact my wallet. So I hope if that happens again, I'm just gonna fucking put a bullet in my head. So I hope that doesn't happen. But I swear it's happened twice. <laughs> maybe i literally blocked out the other fucking time it's just possible <laughs> yeah uh don't steal my wallet um yeah i'm psyched for it i'm psyched to see what the younger kids do in 2024 i feel like the 18 to 24 year olds like in the scene are like getting more established and actually like starting bands and doing their own shit not just waiting around for somebody to hand them stuff so like i'm really excited to see like i still haven't seen no exceptions and i love that fucking demo and all those kids put on super hard for, for all the shows here and all that stuff. So I just, I'm really excited to see, uh, you know, what, what more stuff they end up doing this year. And as they like take more and more control of their own place in the scene and not just kind of wait around. So, uh, yeah, just, just that. And I'm just like to see what Philly does in general next year. One last question. How many more years of Stucky have is being considered like a young ball? Is he almost out of his young ball phase? Old already. No. Like he, He's an old new Jack. It's fine. It's all right. He's still only like 23, right? He just turned 23, so I guess he has some leeway. All right, so he's still in the mix with like the Andrews and the Giant Jakes and all them? Yeah, I guess the only uh, person who's not a, a, a young bull with that squad is Clemo because he's over the hill. At, yeah, like, he's literally he's, – he's washed. <laughs> he's washed at 26. You think he's younger than he is, but he's old. So, but yeah, Stucky, little Andrew, all them. They're still young. Stucky will always be young. I mean, if we saw Lil Matt now, he would still be Lil Matt. So Ben Stucky is always going to be the young Ben Stucky. Yo, shout out to Little Matt. That kid could jump at any cold world or blacklisted set and literally fly like 50 feet like one of them flying squirrels. <laughs> I have no idea what he's up to now, and I kind of don't even need to know because it might ruin the legacy. But I think that kid could jump off my back and literally like fly around the venue. There's always, yeah, there's still good videos of that shit happening. I, I, listen, culture and the young kids, giving people support, that's what this shit's all about. I talk a lot of shit, but what these young kids in the recent times, especially around Rear, have done is just magnanimous and just shows you that these kids care. And that's why I like talking about this kind of stuff. I love you all. I look forward to a lot of shit talking during uh, FYA. Um, uh, we will not have to worry about Gabe from Sweden. He unfortunately will not be making it. Not coming after all that, even with bullshit coming over? Dude, he told me, he's like, I, I'm sorry, there's no way I can make it. Tell Bob I'm sorry. Yeah, I feel bad. I, I literally hit him up directly. I was like, yo, you're good this year. Don't worry about it. But whatever. So I yeah. broke his ball so hard. I called his life. It was worth it. It was fucking great. FYA, please don't jump off the bar and don't jump off the speaker, for the love of God. Somehow, the the woman who's a legend that does the, the events there saw the bar jump and didn't give a shit. But uh, let's, I, I would appreciate it if that wasn't uh, a thing. Oh, yeah, and if your mom has to come in to argue why you shouldn't get kicked out, you, you should just quit. Just just go get into, get into that, like, country music where they're in their shirts fist fighting in a parking lot. Just don't come to shows anymore, man. 
Can't wait to get called the little kid in the backpack again. It's going to be great. <laughs> the, little, the little kid <laughs> with the backpack is so ill. <laughs> All right, fellas. Thank you for coming on. And uh, FYA weekend is going to be fucking fantastic. And it's because of you, Rob. You give everybody the first weekend of the year to be absolutely fucking awesome. And I don't care how many times I say it. It is the start of our year. You put so many bands on, not just the fest, but literally like you bring to focus these bands that a lot of people won't because they're listening to those fucking articles we just made fun of for the last hour. They're listening to these tastemakers who are just capping and hoping that, you know, oh, see, I talked about your band. Maybe you can help me out here. Like you legitimately organically help build these bands up. And that's why FYA is still a success. And God willing, it stays a success. And I look forward to being a helpful hand in that. I appreciate you. Um, See you guys later. Thank you, Joe. See ya. See ya. Yeah, I didn't want to bore you guys with a lot of details and promises, even though we have some resolutions. The plan is to record some smaller stuff, maybe go the Substack route or the fucking, I don't know about the Patreon route, maybe the Substack, I don't know. Let's just start with the recordings. Keep them all fair. Get the ball rolling. Um, with Jess more involved, the episodes, the quality, as far as the guests, it's going to improve. We've got a lot of bigger names than recently coming up and some longtime heroes and longtime friends and people. And we're starting to get a real schedule going. And I'm going to start really just pushing this as much as I physically can so that way... When the weeks get busy and the things get hard, I'm not sitting there last minute pulling out episodes out of my ass and boring you with these diatribes. Thank you for all the support. T-I-H-C podcast. And anybody wondering, this hardcore is the first weekend of August 2024. So August 2nd through 4th. Thank you for all the support. See you at FYA. Thank you for coming to Keystone. Um, RIP to Jimmy Flynn. RIP to Michael Gibbons. Rock some leeway, rock some slap shot. Enjoy your night. Have a happy, have a very happy new year.